straight from the man cave, Kinnick Under the Kitchen. Authentic, original player artwork is being drawn up for Hawkeye fans everywhere. Locally made prints of stars wearing the black and gold from the past, present, and future. How about current Hawkeye superstars Cooper DeGene and Tori Taylor? Legends of the past like Jack Campbell, Spencer Lee, and Tim Dwight plus future phenoms like Aaron Graves. There are so many options available. They make great gifts, and your purchase benefits the Hawkeye athletes wearing the black and gold. Visit Under the Kitchen on Facebook or at Under the Kitchen's new website. That's underthekitchen.square.site. Again, that's underthekitchen.square.site. Check out Under the Kitchen today and get your authentic, original Hawkeye print. We appreciate Under the Kitchen here from the Hawkeye of the Storm. They've been with us. Uh, Randy has been with us for about a year and a half now, and it's been a great year and a half. And this show is rolling right along. We're midway through the Iowa football season. We're talking about a potential elimination game for your Iowa Hawkeyes this Saturday. Is that being hyperbolic in lingo? I don't believe so. Uh, This is a massive, massive game for this division. And, of course, it's the last year of the division. And one could argue it's the last year for a while that we're going to be able to anticipate Iowa has a good shot at making the Big Ten championship game. Now, I know a lot of people will respond and say, well, Corey, if they make the Big Ten title game, they're just going to Indy for a a butt-whooping at the hands of either Penn State, uh, Ohio State, or Michigan. But that is probably a fair hypothesis that this is going to be maybe their last chance for a while. I think that's reasonable. Now, maybe some people will come back and say, well, Corey, Luke Lachey is maybe coming back next year. Cade McNamara is going to be back next year. Um, you know, We don't know if Cooper DeGene's leaving for the league. Xavier Wampa is going to be back. Jay Higgins will have, what does he have, one more year left? I'd have to look at the eligibility for Jay. You know, Maybe they got a shot next year. Mm, schedule's tough, man. It is, we've talked about the schedule. We got an updated schedule, something that we haven't actually addressed live on the air. Updated schedule from the Big Ten Conference for the what, next four years. It is a gauntlet. So, anyways, this game is huge because Iowa's already got a loss on their record with that uh, 31-0 blowout at the hands of uh, Penn State. And uh, Wisconsin, so far, has zero losses in the conference. They did lose at Wazoo. Does not affect their Big Ten uh, record. Does not affect their uh, Big Ten West record. And uh, the race for Indy. So if Iowa were to lose this game, you're looking at potentially, we would be, you're down two games to a Wisconsin team that would have the tiebreaker over you. And Wisconsin has a very, very favorable schedule moving into the final month and a half of the season. And Iowa has a favorable schedule too. The winner of this game will have a strong leg up on the other team as it relates to somehow making the Big Ten championship. And who knows? Like, if you make the Big Ten championship, I know people are going to laugh at this. You make the Big Ten championship game, and you're down to one game, one game between you and a Big Ten championship, you never know. And again... I understand they lost, this Iowa team lost by 39 two years ago at the hands of Michigan in the Big Ten title game, but I also saw an Iowa team back in 15 compete to the final minutes against Michigan State. Now, granted, that Michigan State team got smoked in the college football playoff just weeks later, but my point is I will always take a Big Ten West championship and a shot at the Big Ten title in a championship game over the uh, opposite of that, uh, which would be watching from home and awaiting a a subpar bowl game appearance. So 
A lot on the line this weekend. The weather is interesting. There is rain in the forecast for Madison for, I believe, Thursday, Friday, and then at least half of Saturday. Ironically enough, at last check, according to the Weather Channel, um, it's projected that the rain will be kind of tapering off around kickoff, around 3 p.m. Central Time. I'll be anxious to see if that affects the crowd. There's always been this kind of narrative about Wisconsin fans that they're kind of late arrivers, but it is a 3 p.m. game. I think it, certainly I would have preferred it be an 11 a.m. game for that reason exclusively. It will be a nationally televised game on Fox. You'll get Jason Benetti on the call if you're watching from home. I think he's fat, fabulous at his job. And uh, lots to talk about. I've got some pretty impressive, well, I don't even know about impressive, pretty uh, incredible numbers to share with you on uh, Iowa's total offensive numbers compared with their punting average. Uh, Incredible numbers uh, that uh, were shared with me here shortly before going on the air. Got some uh, some thoughts on Deacon Hill as he returns back to his previous school, Wisconsin, for his first career road start. So lots to talk about. In the next hour to hour and a half, we've got a couple of callers already waiting on hold to chat. I'm going to, you know, I apologize. It looks like uh, I had the phone line up and then the phone line went down. Let's make sure we have the phone line ready to go. It's 515-635-1601. 515-635-1601. Let's go to our first caller of the day. It is Kyle. Welcome, Kyle. Hi. How are you doing? Doing good, man. How are you? Good. Well, I'm not... I'm not great. I'm a Braves fan, so I just had to sit through a um, I, poor game three. I'm not a baseball guy, uh, so you're going to have to tell me what happened. I'm assuming the Twins lost and your Braves lost. Twins I'm watching right now. They're down 3-2 in the bottom of the seventh. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, baseball is actually – the beautiful thing about football is once a week, right? Baseball is like rip your heart out and then – Every game, yeah, every game is like Saturday, so it's really bad in that that regard. Um, I have two questions for you tonight, and they're both a little bit opinion-based. I just wanted to sure. get your thoughts. Um, I'm wondering if you think, um, in your show with Coach Patterson, you, um, you both alluded, uh, I think, the Hawks making a more concerted effort to throw the ball downfield, which I can acknowledge. Um, but I guess my question is, do you think they are actually making a more concerted effort within the offense this year to throw the ball downfield? Or do you think that Spencer Petrus doesn't play quarterback anymore? Because I just, I remember Padilla coming in and immediately we threw the wide receivers for the first time and actually stretched the field. I thought Cade and Deacon seem a little bit more aggressive and um, not that we know the answer, but um, that just thought came to mind. And I wondered, just seemed like Petrus was so darn conservative and wondering if you have any thoughts. Well, I think definitely as it relates to Cade McNamara, I think they had, this staff had more confidence even in a dinged up Cade McNamara. And I think for that matter, this is, this is probably taking that comment too far, but I think there's a chance that the coaches have more confidence in Deacon Hill than they did in Spencer Petrus, even though Spencer was a three-year starter. I do think it's a result of play calling. I don't think Spencer, I mean, I go back to 2021 um, and I'd have to, I'd have to remind, I mean, I I think of a couple of games specifically, they took shots against Colorado state. That's when we kind of saw the coming out party for Keegan Johnson that year. Um, They had a couple of throws down the field against uh, Wisconsin um, on a Smith, I believe that was, was that 2020 or 2021? I think it was 2021. 
but but again, both both would be examples. He took more shots in both of those years. It seemed like twenty twenty two, the play calling went conservative. I know the coaching staff would tell you that it was because they didn't have trust in the protection. But at times, you've got to generate plays downfield in spite of bad protection. And I do think it's a combination of both. They they feel they've got better protection. They've also got more confidence in their guys. But Spencer Peters, one of his better qualities, Kyle, in my opinion, was his ability to throw the deep ball. So they did a disservice to him. I can't imagine that he chose to go with the check down. He's just passing up wide open receivers. I, I could be wrong on that, but man, that was his greatest strength was his ability to throw the ball downfield. And we didn't see it at all last year. One interesting thing that I've noticed, and maybe I've got different colored glasses on. I just remember how often Nate Stanley changed the play. Um, CJ Beathard constantly doing check how much faith that they put in the quarterback to read the defense, which as a coach myself, I always thought was a little crazy because these are kids who have classes and, you know, I don't, I don't have my high school kids call pitches because they're idiots, right? Um, professional quarterbacks, you bet they can, they can read. But even with that, Spencer and, and maybe even to a certain extent, these guys are new, but I just don't ever remember Spencer really changing plays at the line as often as Nate Stanley did, even as a third-year starter, which is just, as an aside, but kind of interesting. That's a great point. And the one thing I can recall even back into the C.J. Beathard, Nate Stanley era was complaining about the fact that, hey, those guys change the play, but it's always to a run. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, and, and I think a lot of this comes back to this idea or this notion that this offense is incredibly difficult to learn, that it takes a year and a half to two years to fully grasp it, which I, you know, I think that's been. I know Coach Patterson has commented on that, his own opinion based upon what he sees and what he knows about the Iowa offense. That's largely been debunked, that it should take a quarterback a year and a half to two years to learn any offense. Have especially you heard Drew Tate, offense. though, say that exact same thing? Back when, I can't remember the guy that was doing Hawkeye Nation podcasts with former players, Drew Tate like said that with pride. Like, this is a really hard offense to learn. And I thought that that was so fascinating. Well, f- fascinating, sad, pathetic. I, I don't know how. Nice. To I'm trying to be nice about it, but yeah, I I, uh, I didn't hear Drew Tate say that. I'll tell you this: if I had somebody comment on the channel earlier today, uh, and and people will do this every once in a while. You know these people, Kyle, that don't really not that I'm some expert about the game, um, but these people that will comment, ah, hire Bob Stoops to be the OC. Bob Stoops is a defensive coach. Why would he coach offense? Like you're just saying it because it sounds good. And you know, yeah. Hey, he's a former Hawkeye. And he, there has to be some logic with what you're saying. And I've had a lot of people say, well, why don't they just bring in Drew Tate, a quarterback's coach. Drew Tate. He hasn't proven anything. He's proven yeah. nothing. He was a quarterback's coach at UT Martin. What is he up at you and I right now? You and I, I thought, yeah. Why do we want Drew Tate as the quarterback's coach? I want a guy who's he was a really good player. So that means he must be a fantastic coach. Who cares, man? <laughs> who cares? I don't want, listen, I'll tell you what, I'd rather have Randy Hedberg in North Dakota State than Tom Brady. And that's not even – because I have no idea if Tom Brady can coach. For sure. Right? So, anyways, people have brought that up about Drew Tate. If if what you just said is true and he was bragging about how hard the offense was to learn back then, I don't want Drew Tate. I don't even want to entertain that idea of him coming back as a coach. For sure. All right, last question. Um, I I want to preface this to say – I'm very uncomfortable with moving on from Kirk, not for the reasons other people say, right? Just, it just feels weird. 
I, I think any Hawkeye fan would say that. Now, if there's a package deal, that's a different conversation. So I'm not I'm not attacking the people who say this, but uh, do you think that the most ardent supporters of Kirk? Um, th- this this thought, this question came to my mind when you guys were talking about the schedule. Um, do you think that the most ardent supporters of Kirk who are imploring us to be happy with seven to nine wins a year? Do you think that they will try to convince us the five to seven wins are acceptable once our schedule changes and it's really hard? Like, and they're like, yeah, but guys, our schedule's really hard now and five to seven wins. That's pretty darn. Like, do you think that they're going to say the same thing? Well, we'll say this, Kyle. Uh, it's funny you bring that up because what will we also be able to use as a, I'm not saying I, I'm endorsing that idea or that notion, but what would they also be able to use as a meter or bar once we get to five to seven wins a year? What would be the bar every year? Bull eligibility. <laughs> exactly. I'm serious. It, now, now it's so ridiculous because teams like Iowa, you know, you schedule. I mean, look at Michigan's non-conference schedule; it's a joke. And then you play a team like Rutgers, and you throw in a, a Northwestern, and you basically get to bowl eligibility by the time you hit early October. Yep. It's ridiculous. So, but we might end up back in that place where, like you said, five to seven wins, and then we're like, well, it's much harder to eat. And bowls mean something again. We 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 got our bowls back. Yeah, I hope that doesn't happen, but that could. That, I can see that happening. Yep. All right, that's all I got for you. Thank you, Kyle. Appreciate the call, Thanks. sir. Yeah, I, I don't, uh, I don't envy where Iowa will be with the schedule moving forward, but it does create that big question mark. Is it time? Well, a lot of fans would say it's past due. We're past due for a time and change in philosophy and approach to the game. And um, I was listening to a podcast. Uh, I won't share what podcast it was. It was a Big Ten podcast uh, before jumping on here. Actually, I was driving, and uh, the question got brought up. What does Iowa do? They got brought up specifically about Iowa. What does Iowa do, given how they play football, once you add Wazoo, or excuse me, not Wazoo, Washington, uh, Washington, Oregon, UCLA, and USC? And the question was, would Wazoo and Oregon State be beneficial to the Big Ten? I'm not going to go that far, but I'll tell you, I've given that thought uh, a lot of thought the the four teams that are coming in next year and how that affects how Iowa plays because man that Washington both those those offenses I don't know if people realize this I was looking up total offense before jumping on here as well do people realize that Oregon and Washington have the two best offenses in the country right now according to total offense Oregon and Washington the two teams two of the four teams that are coming in to the Big 10 next year um, that is just an incredible thing. I, I know that may not stay that way. Let me pull up the stat here. So uh, Washington's a- average. This is actually going to be. You're going to laugh at this. Washington's averaging 500, <laughs> 569.4 yards per game. Oregon's averaging 555.8 yards per game. Oh, and by the way, Southern Cal, right? One of the other two teams that are being added to the conference. They're number four at 500. 23.3. Now they do have the reigning Heisman winner. I get that. And they play in a different conference. I understand that some of these numbers are going to be affected by which conference you play in. Obviously the big 10 is traditionally uh, defense heavy. That's why this is going to kind of be a clash of styles and uh, philosophies as I think with a lot of teams, not just with Iowa and these West coast teams, but I just find that fascinating. I don't even know where UCLA is on the list. I think they're ways on 25th. They're 25th in the country in total offense at 459. Not too shabby when you think about Iowa being, what, are, what is Iowa? 100, well, they're, they're dead last. 130th in the country in total offense, and it's not even close. 
<laughs> 130th in the country in total offense, and it's not even close. The three bottom teams, folks, Kent State at 128 with 262 yards per game. Again, 262 yards per game for Kent State. Then comes Eastern Michigan at 259 per game, and then Iowa at 249 per game. The next closest team to Kent State, to those three, Kent State, Eastern Michigan, and Iowa, would be Nevada, 292.4. In other words, there's over a 30-yard per game gap between number 128 and 127. That, my friends, is astonishing. Let's go to our next caller. James is on hold. James, welcome. How you doing? Doing good, man. How are you? Good. First off, uh, it's good to hear some of the guys getting healthy. I don't know if you've seen this. Doctor Scott Doctorman posted right before he got on that Kirk said Jazz and Astranga should be back next week. So obviously it's not this week, but they're getting better at least. And then the young practice. And then I think Caleb Brown was better practice all week too. So that's obviously a big thing for everybody saying that, you know, this, that about him. Like obviously it's his choice if he decides to leave or whatever. But like he's I'm just glad to see him back and hope we can get him involved a little bit more. There's a lot hinging on, I, I think, this is my opinion, there's a lot hinging on what happens with Caleb Brown these last six games because I don't care what the narrative is, and I've had multiple people bring up the same theory or what they've heard happen with Caleb Brown this past week, and I won't repeat it on here. You may have heard the same thing. Is this probably floating around out there? Um, and I don't know whether to believe it or not, but I'll say this, it sounds like a philosophy or theory or narrative that Iowa wants to push, whether that's right or wrong. If he leaves, though, it's a big red X on Iowa again, because this is not this won't be the first time it happened. This won't be the second time it happened, but it will be. He will be the highest rated recruit that has come here, that has transferred here or been recruited here and then left the program. Obviously, Charlie Jones is a guy who wasn't highly recruited. He ended up being maybe the best player and best wide receiver in the Big Ten. Uh, potentially even in college football, Keegan Johnson, Arlen Bruce. Yes, I know the Arlen Bruce gambling thing and the Keegan Johnson health thing. Both those guys ended up landing at Power 5 homes and then Caleb Brown. So I hope that doesn't happen because he is as talented as Iowa has had. But see, my thing was, too, it's like still going off of him. If they weren't going to use him, what was their – like if they're not going to use him really, like they're not – that in the first six games, at least I haven't used him, right? They might have a scheme later on, but but – they kind of prevented him from trying to go anywhere else by trying to get him to commit to Iowa. Now it's like they're not even using him, by, even though they tried to like force him to commit to Iowa. Now they're not even using him. I'm like, so I'm just wasting his time pretty much when he could have looked somewhere else. and maybe well, nobody, got more. Nobody's forcing anybody to do anything. I mean, yeah, but they were like, we wouldn't really like you to do your other visits and then just like commit well, on the spot. Which he didn't have to do that. But like, I'm still saying like, obviously I understand their point, but they didn't even use him. So like. He, he got to uh, uh, Caleb Brown. I believe that he was. Uh, they made it worth his while to not yeah. go on those other visits. So I don't think I'm. Not, I don't feel. Listen, if Caleb Brown leaves, I'm not going to feel sorry for Caleb Brown. I'm just going to feel sorry for the Iowa fans who have to deal with this ridiculousness over and over and over again. And for the people that I've had people this week bring up, you know, lack of wide receiver involvement. Of course, not a single catch by an Iowa receiver, wide receiver against Purdue this past weekend. And people have said, well, if you can't recruit, you've got to have the Jimmys and Joes. I get that. They have a Jimmy slash Joe. His name is Caleb Brown. He was a high four-star recruit. He was at Ohio State last year. You're going to tell me he's not talented enough? <laughs> I mean, come on. Dude, that's ridiculous. And by the way, uh, Seth Anderson, I think, is better than people think. 
He had other power five offers out of the transfer portal. No, he wasn't ready fresh out of high school, but went the FCS route and was ready for a power five opportunity. Once he got here, I think Nico Ragaini is not a game breaking receiver, but he's a guy who had started a number of big 10 programs. These guys are power five athletes. Let's not act like we're grabbing guys off the street. Um, they have to fit the coaching staff has to figure out a way to get the ball to these receivers. Yes. Drops have been a problem, but they're not the biggest problem. And, and, I don't have to convince you of that, James, but um, they've got talent out there. They just got to figure out a way to scheme for those receivers and get them involved. I think one of the things that I fear right now is that some of these receivers, I don't know if that's one, two, three, I don't know. It feels like maybe this is the point in the season where I fear some of these wide receivers could start to check out and that's not good if that happens. Now you may say that's ridiculous at five and one, how could anybody check out? Well, when they're not even, they're not even getting a look at times, you know, I can kind of understand it, but that's what I would be on guard about if I'm the coaching staff. For sure. And and like we said earlier too, it seems like whenever we do drop back to pass, a lot of times the focus is the tight ends, you know, I mean, obviously Eric Hall is a great player and I'm not denying he's a great player, if that makes sense. But like, sometimes you can't just look to the same way the whole time. Cause at some point you got to think a team would be able to recognize you're just looking the same person the whole time. I mean, Maybe you can't stop him still because he might be better than some people that guard him. You know what I mean? But, like, in general, somebody's going to notice, oh, yeah, he's keep throwing the tight ends. And that's why one thing I said the other day is, like, I'm surprised how they haven't been able to stop him. Like, they, they look the same way every time, and they just, it seems to work still. I'm kind of surprised by that. But, anyways, how do you think the weather will play into a factor if it does rain a lot? Like, obviously, we said it would play into our favor against Penn State, and it didn't. So, yeah. And you said that. I think you said that. I, I don't know if you said that. I, I said that. Now, I don't know that anything played into Iowa's favor on that. Yeah, day. yeah you're so not right. But. It's so hard to, hard to tell. I, I've said this. I said it earlier in the week, James. I do fear that this game ends up kind of like that 2021 game. But I keep reminding myself this is a different Wisconsin team with different personnel, different quarterback, different system, different coaching staff. It's just I'm so used to those trips up to Wisconsin, whether you're talking about uh, 2021 or you're talking about you know 2017 where you go up there even 2015 Iowa won that game but I don't want to call it a fluke but you remember that game James Iowa had no business winning that game if it wasn't for a fumble at the goal line by Joel Stave. Um and Iowa benefited took advantage of it kudos to them that's what they do but it's just so hard to go up there and generate offense and I said it in 2021 James you've been around this around this show for this long I said it in 2021. You won't remember this, but I made the comment back then. Hey, I think Iowa needs to break tendency more than ever in this game. And you know, I, I had hopes in 2021. Hey, they're going to break tendency. Those coming off, they were coming off the loss to Purdue at home, where Purdue just trounced. Them. Remember, Iowa was number two in the country before losing to Purdue that day. They go up to Madison, and what do they do? And instead of breaking tendency, they run their head. They ran their head into the wall like a million times in that game with no offensive ingenuity or creative or creativity. And I just, I don't know about you, but I have seen that same story play out almost every year in this series. Iowa yeah. just thinks that we're going to go up against Wisconsin and we're going to run the ball down their throat and we're going to play our brand of football. And we're going to, you can't do that. If you aren't, if you aren't winning the line of scrimmage, when's the last time Iowa's won the line of scrimmage against Wisconsin? It has been years. It might be, I mean, they didn't win the scrimmage in two, won the line of scrimmage in 2015. It might be you might have to go back to like 2000. Well, 2010 did they win the line of scrimmage? They lost that game in Kinnick. Man, you might have to go back to 2009. That win at Camp Randall in 09. 
For sure. But the one thing too that you say is that's the that's the style they play with everybody, it seems like. Just try to run it down their throat. Like it's not but just the is, but here's the difference, James. There there are other teams where they can get away with it, obviously, yeah. right? Yeah. No. yeah. Can't get away with it. Penn State. Penn State's really good everywhere right now, not only at skill position spots at quarterback up front. So they're just gonna well, that's where you get 20, 31 to zero. But against Minnesota, against Illinois, against you can get away with it. That's why Iowa can win games in spite of it. Um, now they don't run the ball effectively really against anyone typically. They ran the ball semi semi well last week. Um, but you really do do you think they're gonna be able to go up there and just run the ball against Wisconsin like they want? No. What reason do we have to think they're going to be able to run the ball? I mean, and we have not- seen very good run game the whole year, so obviously, I think Wisconsin defense is going to make it even harder. It's like playing not Penn; they're not as good as Penn State's defense, but you know, like they're up there. I feel like in retrospect of like they've always yeah. played well against us, no matter how whether they're never bad, but you know, what I mean, like whether they're having an off year or not, they always play better against us than they would sometimes. Their record shows for the season, if that makes sense. I'm trying to think about what they finished in 2021 because I let's not forget Iowa made the Big Ten championship game that year because Wisconsin lost three games in the conference. So Wisconsin was not some power in 2021 and Iowa got trounced. So, um, you know, I'm not making any predictions right now. I'm just saying in general, I've got three keys and my three keys are like as as black and white, as clear as I've had for th- for a game this year. It's like, uh, again, I won't give them away because I'm going to publish a video tomorrow, but it's these three things they have to do, in my opinion. They have to do these three things, and if they don't, I give them very little chance to win. Now, with that being said, those three things, I don't think those three things are like incredibly difficult to do. It's just a matter of, are you determined to do them? And I don't know that Iowa sees things that way, and I'm not claiming to be smarter than Kirk or Brian or any of these these uh, coaches, I'm just saying, based on history, what I've seen as a fan um, and a guy watching Iowa football who's watched this series for years, it just typically doesn't work out the way Iowa tries for it to work out. They have not been successful in the series, with the exception being last year. That was a really, really weird game in Kinnick. And they had I mean, Wisconsin's quarterback play was historically bad in that game. You you probably remember that game, James, as bad as Spencer Petrus was last year. Um, Graham Mertz was just, I mean, he couldn't throw anything in that game against Iowa. And, you know, maybe that's what happens. But uh, based on what I've seen from Tanner Mordecai, he can create with his legs, something that Mertz did not do well. Um, and he throws a nice ball from the pocket. I, I think it's going to be hard to just uh, assume that Iowa is going to be able to win a, a 10 to 6 game. But maybe that'll happen. One more like major point is like, obviously, you know, Deacon had said he had nerves. You know, he was kind of nervous, he was kind of jittery. What makes us think that it's not going to be even worse in the retrospect of it's a road game and it's Wisconsin? Well, we'll say this. I'm glad you brought that up because as I was thinking about Deacon Hill, I, I did publish my uh, after further review video last night, James. You probably saw that. But I watched the game back yesterday. And one thing that does stand out when you watch Deacon Hill, and maybe that's just we've only seen a game and a half of Deacon in real game action. But, you know, I flash back to something that Don Patterson has said countless times on this show over the years. And he's talking about quarterback play. And I trust Don Patterson with quarterbacks more than any other position because he coached quarterbacks for a long period of time. He talks about a quarterback needing to have a grooved throwing motion. And if you watch Deacon Hill, uh, and I could be off on my estimation, I'll be anxious to get Coach Patterson's thoughts on Sunday when we have him on for a, a second postgame show. It seems to me that Hill is kind of just throwing from his hip. 
Uh, he's kind of got a, a a looping. I don't know how to describe it. He just the doesn't seem to have, say that again. It's the water polo throw. Yeah, a little. Well, hey, maybe <laughs> that's what he said. That's what he said. Uh, yeah, he okay. said he kind of gets a throw from water polo in one of the meetings, but I don't like that, man. I, I don't like hearing that. Um, I didn't hear that quote. Now he's a former water polo. He really is. You're not. He yeah. is really a former water polo player, which is or whatever they are, swimmer, whatever they are. Um, but that. I don't know. I mean, there are guys that get away with it, like Patrick Mahomes. We always bring up Patrick Mahomes. He has all these unorthodox types of throws and positions, and you know his footwork isn't always the best. He's kind of just a freak. But most guys can't get away with that. And I, I just I don't know that we see a grooved throwing motion out of Deacon Hill. Now, the good news is they do have a quarterback's coach on staff named John Budmeyer. And the reason I bring him up is even though he, he's supposed to be limited with what he can do, he is a former quarterback. He has coached quarterbacks. Brian Ferentz is not a former quarterback, has not coached quarterbacks before being a part of this staff here and, and being promoted a couple of years back. So hopefully Bud Meyer, I have no doubt Bud Meyer is working as he's allowed to work with Deacon Hill this weekend. But those things are hard to just change overnight. I, I Let's just hope that he's on this Saturday because I don't know that he has that natural grooved motion that uh, is conducive to a lot of accuracy. He's got a big arm though. Well, it's something we said with Petrus too, where like his footwork kind of was off, you know, like and it never seemed to get better. You know what I mean? Like his flaws that were off for the three years never seemed to get better over the three years, if that makes sense. And I know Budmeyer was just there the last year of his his time at Iowa, Petrus' time at Iowa, but like his flaws he had for his three years never seemed to get better with like his foot placement and like like Don would say. So, like, for me, it's like, what makes you think it's going to get better with Deacon when it never got better with Petrus over three years? Yeah, and I think that a fair question to ask as well, um, James, is, you know, it's not like Spencer Petrus was getting exclusive work out of Brian Ferentz. He was going out, he was getting shipped off east to Tony Rassiope every year. So, why weren't some of those problems being fixed when he was out there? For sure, isn't that uh, Marcos one, too? Marco's coach is Tony Rassiope. Yeah. Yep. But, so, but, but so, so is Kenny Pickett's. So we, some guys, I'm not saying just Petrus didn't have it, but some guys have it and some guys don't. I mean, um, I don't know how to explain why Spencer Petrus could be coached up by Tony Rassiope for five years and, and never really seem to improve. Kenny Pickett gets coached up for f- however many years, does improve. Now, I will say one big difference that I brought up regarding the Tony Rassiope conversation, nothing against Tony Rassiope. And there's a lot of guys that, that uh, use him as their private coach, but let's not forget too, that, that uh, Kenny Pickett was coached by uh, Mark Whipple at Pitt and Iowa, you know, Petrus was being coached by, well, Ken O'Keefe and then Brian Ferentz. So there is a difference there. Um, hopefully, you know, Marco, not to segue this to a, a, the future, but Marco is also a different cat because he can move. Spencer Petrus couldn't run. Yeah, um, for sure. And I think Pickett could run a little bit when he's at Pitt, too. So I think maybe that made a little bit of a difference, too. But anyways, one th- more thing I'm going to say before I get off is I think, obviously, like we're going to say every year, every week, I think defense is definitely key for this game, especially if it rains, you know. I feel like they might not throw as much. Uh, Wisconsin might not if it rains. And obviously that means we got to stop Mordecai on the feet, which is a little scary. But Because I don't feel like we, we defend running quarterbacks very well. But 
I feel like in general, I always think the defense can get it. You know, Jay and Nick have been playing really well the last couple of weeks. So I feel like they can get him doing what they need to. And obviously, I think it's going to be a defensive game, and we'll see what happens. And I'm not going to say – I don't think I, – I don't think I will win, but you never know in the series. And you know that better than anybody, that in the series you never know. So sometimes the team you think is going to win doesn't win. Sometimes the team you think will win will win. So you never know in this Hold series. On Hold on a second. When's the last time that we – Thought Wisconsin was going to win and Iowa won. What won in twenty twenty one? Was it? I was Wisconsin. I remember. I forget. I forget the past years. We won last year. We won last year, right? Won last year. Wisconsin yeah, won. Yeah. So probably, probably last year because we had Petrus. You still think the offense is bad? <laughs> All right. Wisconsin I mean, was not good either, and Wisconsin Graham Mertz, but. Anyways. But I mean, we had like the lowest, one of the lowest offenses in the country last year while we played them. So what makes us think we would beat them last year, if that makes sense? Having yeah. one of the worst offenses really in good, the country. Really good Iowa defense, and they were at home, but I get your point. Yeah. But we'll see, and uh, I'll be on Saturday. I probably can't be on Sunday because i got something going on, but it'll be fun, hopefully. And, you know, sometimes it's annoying to watch Iowa football, but hopefully we can get this win because – you never know, like you said, you never know when we get to another Big Ten championship game with the conference being realigned. So might as well try to get one more. As you can. Huge game. Thank you for the call, James. Always enjoy it. Enjoy it. Now. All right. Uh, Clint in the chat. Uh, he says, this would be the biggest win since when? Pre-2020? Well, from an individual game standpoint, 2021, the win against Penn, uh, Penn State. Uh, and Kinnick, remember Iowa was what, like number three in the country? I think Penn State was four or vice versa. So that was the biggest win in that moment um, of the last five years. Now, as it relates to the division, um, yeah, I mean, you could argue. That, again, I, I saw somebody in the chat earlier said that I don't think this is a, a an elimination game. I think it was Pugmaster. By the way, Pugmaster, thank you for your uh, your donation. Do appreciate the super sticker. The reason I think it's an elimination game, a virtual elimination game, of course, we can't actually call it that. But as I stated at the outset, Iowa's already got a loss in this conference. Wisconsin does not. You lose this game, you're two games back. Plus, Wisconsin has the tiebreaker on you. You're all of a sudden basically three games back. And both teams have cake for the rest of the way on the schedule, which would basically mean if you're Iowa, you have to win out. you got to go 10-2 and at that point. Iowa cannot lose to Wisconsin and then lose another game somewhere. You have to, you have to, a uh, win out, and then you have to hope that not only does Wisconsin lose to Ohio State, but that you can find two other losses on the Wisconsin schedule. And I've looked through the Wisconsin schedule, folks. I can't find two other losses. So this is why I think it's it's fine to say this is a de facto uh, elimination game for Iowa. It's not an elimination game for Wisconsin because they got zero losses. But it is an important game for Wisconsin, and the winner of this game will have the clear edge as it relates to this division. Wisconsin plays at Illinois. Illinois looks weak right now. They go to Indiana. They're a disaster. They get Nebraska at home. They should win that game. Northwestern at home. Northwestern is a disaster. And Minnesota on the road, that's a rivalry game, but Minnesota got beat by 40 the other day by Michigan. Now, it's Michigan, but that is a weak schedule. Just like Iowa's schedule is a weak schedule. So anyways, that's that's why, I mean, if you want to walk through why I'm calling it an elimination game, that's why. I think that if Iowa loses this game, they lose out on the West. I think if Iowa wins this game, they make the championship game. More than likely. But I think it's much more certain they don't if they lose, if that makes sense. 
Let's go to our next caller. The B is on hold. The B, welcome. Yes, sir, Corey. How are you doing? Doing good, man. How are you? I'm doing good. Hey, I just wanted to clear something up about last week with Coach after I got off. Coach is a little upset with me. I think he I think he took it as when I said we would have lost the game with Cade. I think I have to preface everything with you guys to make sure that I say a hobbled Cade McNamara. I have to like say that over and over, and I apologize. I just assume you guys know that because I'm a huge Cade guy. Love Cade. I think he's I think he's the best thing we've had here in a long time. And I think his intelligence, just uh, what he's done and where he's been with his experience, that's going to help Deacon, you know, no matter what or whoever the quarterback is. So just first and foremost, I just wanted to clear that up so you can tell coach, because I didn't, I didn't want him to take it. I was sliding him that way. I just meant that we haven't seen a full, I haven't seen a hundred percent Kate at all. And I just felt that with his weakened position, we had a better chance of winning with Deacon. That, that was what I was trying to, to me. And I, by the way, I, I I don't disagree with that stance, and I didn't understand what you said the way that Coach Patterson did. That's why I was kind of confused with his response. But um, you, know, you can't rewind the tape and listen back to this. So yeah. I'm clarifying that. But I, I agree with you on that, and I I I, uh, I understand why the coaching staff stuck with a hobbled Cade McNamara. I did take some time prior to this show to kind of review um, what we saw to Deacon Hill, I believe, against Penn State. And I was thinking the, the game before that was the, the Western Michigan game. And you know I was very adamant about – I thought Iowa should have shut him down before Western Michigan and went with Deacon then. Right. Uh, and perhaps if that if they had done that – I know that you know I, we can just speculate. Perhaps if they had done that, he would have improved health-wise and we wouldn't be in this situation. Is that fair? Is that a fair thought? I mean, is that possible that maybe he – wouldn't have tore the ACL if he was fully healthy. I don't know. But. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, I thought this, the same thing too. But um, you know, I'm I'm glad to get that cleared up, and and uh, you and I are thinking on the same wavelength here. So that's that's cool. Because uh, I didn't want to be that antagonist caller who just says, "Oh, I don't like Kate." Are you kidding me? I'd rather have uh, obviously. I mean, you got to be a moron not to think that. Like everybody in the world would want this guy. He's got the pedigree. He's got the drive. He's changed. He was changing the culture and that's what we need. And, and I hope he gets better quick and I hope he returns and I would love to see him back there. Um, going forward. Um, I was curious today, just your thoughts. Did you happen to see Remember a couple weeks ago? I was like, I'd love to see a press conference with George Barnett. <laughs> he finally did his press conference. Did you get a chance to see that today? Uh, two things. I have not yet. I will be watching, watching that footage back. And I wanted to be on that press conference, and I, I had to make an emergency run back home. Um, and frankly, he's not the guy that I re- that me personally is intrigued to talk to, but I am intrigued to hear him. Did you? I'm assuming you listened to it, uh, Corey. You you have got to take a listen to that. It will stun you. There are things that he says that you just scratch your head and you just go, I, I can't believe how low the bar is here for an offensive line pedigree type of school that we've had. So in what regard, in what, what regard, what comments were made? Well, one of the things, one of the things that he had said is the little improvements and being patient mentality is, you know, someone had said like, it's almost like we're just little old Iowa, like little old Iowa when it comes to the offensive line. And I think I spoke to you a few weeks ago about specific recruits that, did not have any division one offers and he's recruiting these people. And it's shocking 
to see where the bar is set and what he thinks is improvements. And if I hear one more offensive line tell uh, player tell me every week when they're interviewed that um, they're going to work on their fundamentals, um, I think my head's going to explode. Uh, I think those fundamentals, those should have already been taken care of. We're, we're dealing with year three on a lot of these guys. And to talk about this is like we're just some little – it's almost like we're a Division three offensive line program. I, it, it's, it boggled my mind on his responses. Well, let's, I know you're a big homer to be, and I appreciate that uh, because you're, you're in a Hawkeye show. But let's not take away the the, the onus on Kirk Ferentz and, and Brian Ferentz. Like, yeah. talking about guys they're choosing to recruit, those guys have more of a say in who they're recruiting than George Barnett. I guarantee you that. Well, yeah, I get that. And, and I guess that was my question with you. I was going to say or ask you, where did it change? Where where did our offensive line it's it's like we don't recruit if if I look at it like this, if we don't have a Chris Doyle, and remember, we talked about it being a developmental program. We always talk about that. He built people up. We could take a two-star. We could take a low three-star. If we don't have him anymore, well, we got to get rid of this developmental thing. And if Iowa has been known for linemen and known for tight ends, those are our, seem to be our two defensive backs. We seem to do well with that. You know who we should, we should be recruiting? Minimum. All the blue bloods, everybody that they're recruiting on on tight ends, on offensive line. This was our moxie. This was what we were, and it's almost like we've lost it. And we're just lucky, you know, to have a guy like George Barnett here, who really hasn't done anything in the past. I haven't seen any All Americans that he's coached. Nothing, zip. And we have just lost our identity. And I, and I was curious, where do you think that happened? Well, I'll, I'll push back on that a little bit because I don't know that Iowa has ever recruited exceptionally well. Like, I don't think there's been some big drop-off since Chris Doyle left. Mm-hmm. Has there been a drop-off with development? Absolutely. It appears that that's the case. Um, but let's not forget, they, they had Caden Proctor, and he leaves on signing day. They do have a, a four-star Nick Brooks coming in next year. And to our caller on the phone line, we're going to put you on hold. Um uh, so, I mean, I, I don't know that I would go so far as to say that they've recruited worse with Barnett. Um, but you're right. They, they've got guys that haven't worked out. They've had guys that have left due to weird reasons, medical reasons, and other unknown reasons. I mean, I think about a guy like Tyler Endress. He was a four-star, came here from Norwalk. You heard me talk about yeah. the plethora of linemen that have not worked out. Tyler Endress is one. Ezra Miller is another one. Noah Fenske is another one. Caden Proctor was here. Almost, and then he leaves on signing day. Um, David Davidkoff, there was a huge David Davidkoff is another good example. Now, some of these guys have had weird issues. Justin Britt, uh, you know, yeah, Cody Ince. Uh, I feel sorry rest, for his rest in family. peace, Cody. Yes, yep. absolutely. Um, I feel it's what a tragedy that was from a football standpoint. Yep, he dealt with a bunch of injuries, so there have been unfortunate things that have happened with these lines, but you're right, that doesn't. I mean, there's a, it's odd that all these things would happen over and over and over again. And so there's just, I, I just, you, you know me from how I talk about this program and my criticisms is I tend to put more of the onus on the head honcho and on the coordinator than I do on these position coaches because, I mean, let's be honest, George Barnett's been here, this is year three, correct? Is this year Yeah, four? year three. This is year three. Are you sure it's not year four? I think it's year three. No, he got here. He got here in 2020. He got, this is year four. He got here in 20. He he 
he took over and remember i remember he was part of the program when all that uh racial stuff transpired mm-hmm. 20 mm-hmm. oh, okay okay four, four four years wow this is okay um but well, that I, makes it even worse than my opinion of him listen, <laughs> you should listen if this offensive line is is we look back at the end of the year i'm gonna give him the rest of the year i'm not firing my o-line coach right now but if we look back at the end of the year and the o-line stinks still then yeah he's got to be on the hot seat but how can you make here's the question how could you possibly if you're kirk say that your offensive line coach george barnett who he has raved about by the way yes how could you possibly say that george barnett is on the hot seat and yet brian ference is not Oh, I, I totally agree. I, I think what one of one of one of I think the the crossroads happened when Tim Polisak came in. He, remember when they when North Dakota was it North Dakota State he was at or was it okay? It was North Dakota State. He was the offensive coordinator that year. They beat us. So then we hire him the next year, right? But we hire him as an offensive line coach, which I thought we would maybe have him as an offensive coordinator. That made more sense. But that's when Brian then took the offensive coordinator. Tim was the offensive line coach. He got a lot of force. Tim, to his credit, David Davidkoff is one of them. Um, Bo Stevens is another one. Uh, Jennings Dunker, he was another recruit. I mean, so he had recruited these dudes. Those guys have been subpar since they've gotten here. Exactly, and that's that's what I was. That's that's my point. So even even the star ranking with that didn't work out. There's something with the developmental part. I'm just not. It's not cohe. There's not a cohesion there. I'll say this. There's a lot of you're not the only ones to have. You're not the only one uh, to have those those theories and those thoughts. I will say this. I think if there's any of those theories that ring true for me, it's probably I probably tend to lean more toward Chris Doyle had more of an influence than we maybe we thought initially. Right. Um, I, I don't know that it's a George Barnett issue or a Tim Polisek leaving issue, or I don't even know what, what are the other theories? Well, Brian was coaching the O-line and he's not now. So they need to get him back to O-line coach. I, I think there's, it's likely that it's the Chris Doyle situation paired with the fact that they've had some unfortunate things happen. Um, and I, I don't know. I mean, is Kirk going to be here long enough that it really matters that we're really going to have to see this out to see it. I mean, if he leaves after this year or after next year, you know, they won, they say they win nine games this year, and I'm being sort of uh, unfair to them because I think I got a chance to win 10. They win nine games this year, um, and then next year, even if they win only six, he's going to go out and say, well, we, you know, we never really missed a beat without Chris Doyle, even though you and I both know the line did, but they managed to win games in spite of it. Well, I, I give, I will give uh, Kirk some grace on that. Remember, he's very lucky to still have his job when you look at Fitz. When you look what happened there and how he was chased out, look at Mel Tucker and that situation. There's more and more coming out about that. Kirk was lucky to hang on. That shows you how much power he had to hang well, on world, to that situation. I'll tell you what, there was I'll a sacrificial lamb and it was Doyle. And the world has changed Yeah, since 2020. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. All right, well, uh, glad to talk to you. I'll let you get other callers. I'm still calling it. It's Iowa this weekend. They're, book it, like I said. They're going to win it um, uh, after this. But if, when we get to the Big Ten Championship, of course, we're going to lose bigly. Uh, just, <laughs> it's gonna, Of course, I'm a realist there. But, hey, thanks so much for the show, Corey, and we'll, uh, we'll uh, go Hawks, and we'll talk to you this weekend. Sounds good, sir. Thank you for the call. I'm all for the prediction, folks. I'm all for Iowa over Wisconsin. Wouldn't that be a great prediction? Uh, dual post-game show to celebrate uh, a win over Wisconsin Saturday. And uh, boy, again, you win on, against Wisconsin. We're all going to be feeling pretty good because at least that means that either a, the defense, the defense is going to have to be good regardless. If, if they, uh, if the offense is good to have, 
whether the offense is good or not, if they're going to want to win this game, the defense has to be good. And they're probably playing the most mobile threat at quarterback that they've had all year. And that says something because they had a, a pretty mobile guy in week one in Cooper Lagasse they played against. Rocco Becht is not incredibly mobile. Um, Drawler's not real mobile. Hudson Card is kind of mobile. Mordecai's probably the most mobile. And then what the uh, Kim guy in, in um, week four for Michigan State wasn't the most mobile either. So they're going to have to contain him with his feet. I think he's got 100, about 150 yards on the ground. As a quarterback, that's impressive at this level because sack yardage is, ta- you know, sack yardage takes away from your, your total. So, anyways, I digress. Going to be a big, big game and, and we'll be excited. I'm going to be watching from beginning to end. Um, and by the way, for the people in the chat, Brett, uh, Corey, is that a Wisconsin shirt? Uh, Brian, looks like Corey's picking Wisconsin. Mike, red shirt on Wisconsin week. Bold. <laughs> Sam, is it just a coincidence that you often wear the upcoming opponent's colors? Well, m- might I remind you that, Sam, that uh, what, like half of the Big Ten is red? So they could be playing Indiana and you'd be saying, I'm, I'm wearing the opponent's color. They could be playing Maryland or Ohio State or Nebraska. Even Minnesota's kind of got a version of red. So, uh, no, I like this shirt. I just, I, I didn't think, I was not premeditated, I promise. How about this? Eric All in our chat. Eric All, go Hawks. I'm guessing it's not the real Eric All, but if it is, He's the most important weapon in this offense as of right now. So uh, whoever you are, whether you're Eric All or someone else, appreciate you being here. We're going to be right back. Our phone line is open right now, folks. 515-635-1601. We've got one caller on hold. We'll get to our caller in just a second. We've got another line open. And our StreamYard line is open. I'll throw that link up in the chat again. We'll be back. We're about 50 minutes in. We'll have at least another 20 to 30 minutes of conversation here. Feel free to call in. Uh, Again, at 515-635-1601 or by clicking the link in the description below. We'll be back after this. Straight from the man cave, Kinnick under the kitchen. Authentic, original player artwork is being drawn up for Hawkeye fans everywhere. Locally made prints of stars wearing the black and gold from the past, present, and future. How about current Hawkeye superstars Cooper DeGene and Tori Taylor? Legends of the past like Jack Campbell, Spencer Lee, and Tim Dwight plus future phenoms like Aaron Graves. There are so many options available. They make great gifts, and your purchase benefits the Hawkeye athletes wearing the black and gold. Visit Under the Kitchen on Facebook or at Under the Kitchen's new website. That's underthekitchen.square.site. Again, that's underthekitchen.square.site. Check out Under the Kitchen today and get your authentic, original Hawkeye print. Appreciate Randy Engel and Under the Kitchen, and I'm sure Randy is pumped for this Saturday. The Hawkeyes and the Badgers doing battle up at Camp Randall. Could be another soggy and windy Camp Randall. Why do all of Iowa's big games end up in rainy conditions? Did not work out well for Iowa here this last month against Penn State. We'll see if this weekend is any different. A couple of reminders before we get to our next caller. If you are not following me on social media, I am at from the Hawkeye on Twitter and on Instagram. I need to promote the social media handles more. Drop a follow, and uh, basically everything I ever tweet or post about is Hawkeye-related. I'm not going to be posting pictures of my dogs or uh, the dogs I don't have or the uh, the food that I uh, 
well, I guess I do eat food, but I won't be posting pictures of those things more often than not. I did post a picture of some cookies I had during game day this past Saturday, but that's about as edgy as I get with my social media. And then on Facebook, it's from the Hawkeye of the Storm on Facebook. Um, and be sure to tell your friends to follow us as well. Please share this show out on social media. It is appreciated. If you want to donate to the show, you can do so by means of a super chat. Uh, easy to do through YouTube, super sticker, super thanks, or Venmo Cash App PayPal, all available through the description. It's safe, folks. PayPal is safe. If you use the link in our description, you can donate by credit card. Even if you don't have a PayPal account, you can donate by credit card by clicking the PayPal link. You can do a one-time payment or a recurring payment. Every little bit counts. Every little bit helps, folks. And I can tell you, that uh, sometimes people expect that others are just going to donate. Well, if everybody expects that, then what happens? I think you can surmise that. So do appreciate any help. Uh, the sponsors, our sponsors are helping out as they always do. But please don't forget to uh, take advantage of sharing the show and donating to the show at your leisure. Let's get to our next caller on the phone line. Thank you for calling from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Who's on the line? Hey, Trent, how are you? Good. How are you, Corey? Doing good, man. Good, good. Yeah, I think I uh, last time I talked to you was after the uh, Western Michigan game. Okay, lots transpired since um, then. Yeah, yeah, for sure, right? Um, no, I was just listening to one of your last callers talk about. Uh, he brought up Chris Doyle's name. Mm-hmm. Uh, I. I don't know how to really approach this, but I, I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want anybody to get in trouble. I don't want anybody to think I'm saying something I shouldn't say, but I will tell you this. I, uh, when I graduated, there was probably, Oh, five guys that I graduated with from high school who went to Iowa as managers. Um, one of those guys is still who I would consider my best friend. We talk regularly uh, a lot about Iowa football. Um, the one thing I will say is, and this is on good authority that, uh, Chris Doyle ran that weight room. Like it was a boot camp, right? He knew he didn't have four and five star recruits coming in that were just God blessed with the talent to win. He knew what he had to do with these guys to make Iowa a competitive program. And in large part, he did a great job at what he did. Um, I was told he treated everybody equal. He was not the nicest guy in the world. That's not how he did things. Um, and I think we are seeing that play out now. You could be right. Yeah, I don't disagree. Um, I, think, I, 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 and look, by the way, you're not the only person, Trent, who said that. Hey, I think Chris Doyle was an equal opportunity jerk. That that could and, be and the that's case. That's just I, what I've been told. I, yeah. I, I don't know the man personally. I know people that were in the program for a period of time that were there every day and witnessed it, and that's just what I've been told. He did not single out anybody. He did not. It it did not matter. Well, I'll say this. Uh, I talked to, and I don't you probably weren't even following this podcast because I wasn't really 
looking to grow the podcast on YouTube back then. But uh, when that whole thing went down in 2020, I had some interesting conversations, one of which was with former Iowa cornerback Amari Spave. And I probably should post that to the channel someday. Um, I don't I don't think I ever did post it to YouTube. But that was a really insightful conversation. And he had a distinct view of Chris Doyle in that situation. And then you talk to a guy like Ed Miles, former Iowa linebacker. He had a totally different view. And they're both former Iowa athletes, both happen to be black. And they had totally different perspectives on the situation. So, yeah, I've, I've been very careful not to make, um, you know, conclusive comments on a situation that I'm not really familiar with because I'm not there in the program. But but you're right. It's not it was not a consensus that everybody thought, you know, Chris Doyle treated uh, these people different or, or, or this nationality or the people of this background or this skin color. I, I don't know that to be the case. I, maybe he did. But it is you, we got to be careful about what we how we condemn a person without actually being there. But when you have a bunch of people saying very similar things, I, I don't know that there was any choice back going back to 2020. I don't know that there was really a choice. Iowa had to move on from him. You, you get what I'm saying? There was not really any way that they could avoid that. I do with, with, with the landscape, the way things are today. I, I, I completely understand. And, it, but all I'm saying is we are now seeing the ramifications of it. I, oh. And I truly believe that. You could be right. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not, yeah, I'm with you, Corey. I'm not, you know, I'm just going by what I hear, what I was told. I've just never had the opportunity to talk to really uh, another Iowa guy about this. And I just felt like this was an opportunity after I heard his name get brought up. And then, I don't know, another thing I'm going to ask you about is I can't remember what game it was after. Maybe it might've been after Penn state on the uh, post game show. And you made the comment and I'm actually right there with you. And I don't know if anybody caught it or not. Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. Maybe people have said something. Maybe they haven't, but you said that you believe that this is Kirk's last year. And I'm going to be honest with you. I do too. Well, um, I had a conversation with somebody actually that I ran into today um, that that told me, "Hey, I listened to your podcast. I actually brought that very thing up. They brought up that comment that I made several weeks ago that I thought this was probably going to be Kirk's final year. I've walked that back a bit because I think it's unfair for me to say I think this is what's going to happen. It's probably going to happen. I think there's a good chance that's the case, but I, I certainly think it's unfair to say yes. It's more than likely he's done after this year. But you've you." Trent, you've heard me go through my points, my main reasons why I think it could be. I even pu- pu- excuse me, published, let me see if I can't stutter, I published a podcast on that very topic. There's just a lot of things that happen to fall in place at the end of the season. And you know, one of the big things is what happens with Brian Ferentz if they don't achieve the 25 I, points per game. Um, that's a big part of it, I obviously, agree. the schedule, etc. I stand by that. And that's, that, that's where I'm with you. I, I don't think he stays if Brian doesn't. And let's face it, it, it Brian Ferentz is not going to be here next year. I don't care. I mean, we all thought that he wouldn't be here this year. He, th- there is no way next year. If you want to be competitive in this new landscape, Brian Ferentz will not be here next year. Well, but that's so I'm, so I'm, I'm you're saying Brian Ferentz will not be here if we want to be competitive. So you're telling me, What's going to happen? I'm asking you the, that question. What's going to happen when they don't achieve 25 points per game? Say they win 10 games and they average 21 points per game or 20 points per game. 
what will actually happen? Will Kirk literally just I, I announce his retirement? I think so. I think he goes out with Brian, right? He's not going to, they're going to go out on a high note. We all know that, right? It, whether they win or lose this weekend, they probably like, I've heard you say, and I agree with you 110%. They lose this weekend. They still go 10 and two, probably don't win the West, but you're still going to a good bowl game. You finish the season 11 and two, 10 and three, whatever the case is. But Kurt goes out on a high note and Brian goes out on a high note. It makes it look like he left on his own accord. And listen, a contract is a contract. Like I know a lot of people are saying, well, if he doesn't hit 25 points, it's not going to matter. It had better matter. If I sign a contract with somebody and they don't meet the obligations of that contract, they're fired. And that should just be the reality of it. Yeah, but let's, let's remember one thing, one key point here, Trent. And I'm not saying you're wrong, and I agree with you completely, but let's not forget that the contract amendment that was made, that was made public by this administration, this uh, program, did not stipulate Brian Ferentz being terminated, his employment being terminated if they don't hit that mark. It simply indicated that his contract would not be, his current contract would not be renewed. He'd not be entitled to um, the pay that his current contract stipulated. Yeah, I, I, I understand that, Corey. I'm not here. I don't disagree with you on that either. I, I know what the contract reads. I just, something is telling me deep down inside that this is it for the Ferentz era. And I, I may be completely off base. Well, you and, could be right. I mean, I, I, I don't know, Corey. As a diehard Iowa fan, I just know that if things don't change, you look at the schedule that was just released from what twenty four through twenty eight, mm-hmm. Corey. If you have you really gone and looked through that stuff, yeah, I have. there might be in twenty seven and twenty eight. Iowa might be lucky to get to a bowl game if we continue down the path we're on. Well, you could be right on that. I think that I think next year, even I, I mean, I don't know what the personnel is going to look like. I brought that up earlier. Is Cooper DeGene going to be here? Will Luke Lachey be here? Sounds like Cade's going to be here. I think next year they're going to have a tough time getting to seven or eight wins. Maybe they get to six comfortably, but it's going to be a gauntlet next year. The schedule, they have four difficult games next year. Yeah, you're not wrong. You are not wrong. And By the way, and I think they're going to get four difficult games, and we're talking just Big Ten. I think Iowa State's going to be better. Iowa State's looking better than they did a year ago at this time. I think they're going to be a lot better with a, a... uh, quarterback who has a year under his belt. So yeah, it's and they've also who does Iowa have in the non-conference? They've got, they've got. I think tr- do they get Troy in the non-conference. They get. I believe they get Troy. I believe so. Yeah, that, that's, that's not right. a that's not a gimme. <laughs> no, it's not. It's really not. And uh, yeah, I I don't know. Uh, ah, man, we are. Uh, you've said it before. I agree with you. 110% on everything you ever say. And, uh, it we're, we're on a slippery slope, my friend. And, uh, uh something's got to give after this year. I think uh, I just had this conversation with a couple people at work today. I said, we're a year too late. The changes should have been made last year. Agree. Agree completely. And I said, you know, I said that last year, Trent, I do know you said that. And I agreed with you. And I said the exact same thing because, we're a year behind now. Wisconsin, Wisconsin, <laughs> Wisconsin. Did, I just brought that. Yeah, I brought that up to people too. I said, listen, 
they went to the kind of offense that you're going to need to go to to be able to compete in the new Big Ten. I, I agree. And they with, did. I agree with you. I agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. It, I agree. It's. It, yeah. I. I. I don't know. I hope they win this Saturday. I hope they win the West, and I just hope they don't get embarrassed in Indy. Now, let me ask you this. Can I ask you one more thing? Sure. I know I don't. I don't want to take a bunch of your time. No, you're good. Would you? Who would you? I know you're a huge Brett Bielema guy. Okay, that that might be the one place where you would be different the most. Okay. I would love to see Mark Stoops. I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to that. He'd be on my top. He'd probably be in my top uh, four. Um, you know, Brett would be up there. I mean, I, you know, Bob would be my first call if Phil Parker's not interested. I've said that. Absolutely. I'm, if you can get, yeah, if you can get Bob to come here, you're you're foolish not to, right? And I, I mean, think I, I go back to what a lot of fans and people have told me when I've brought that notion up in the past. Ah, Bob's not coming to Iowa. Okay, well. Let's just go with the defeatist mentality and, and not even bother to call him. Like, can you imagine that discussion? Like, I don't know what the discussion would be like, but if Beth Getz is talking to some other, you know, maybe the president, Barbara Burke or whatever her name is at Iowa, and and, and Beth says, well, why don't we call Bob? Ah, Bob's not coming here, Beth. Okay, we won't call him then. Like, what a stupid defeatist attitude to have. Obviously, you call Bob. Like, if Bob is... Below eighty, you call Bob and say, "Hey, you got a few years left in you." I mean, I'm exaggerating, of course, with that. But uh, he's still coach. He's been coaching. He's obviously got the itch to coach. Maybe he doesn't want to go back to college football, but he loves Iowa. Why not call him? So he'd be number one. You know, we'll see what happens with Brett this year. It's been a weird stretch of games for Illinois. I did not expect them to take this big of a nosedive, but they did lose a lot to the draft last year and to graduation. So he's still young with they that did. program. And I think Ryan Walters going to Purdue, I think that really derails them. Absolutely did, um, yes. But what I see with Brett is a lot of the same. Do you get what I'm saying? I think it's uh, – you look at his past, what he did at Wisconsin, Yeah, he, very successful. I'm never going to argue that. The guy's a, a very successful head coach. What he did at Arkansas, he did. I mean, but it's a lot of the same. Don't you agree? I mean, it's kind of that. Just smash mouth football. We're gonna run the ball. We know we can. And I just, I, I just don't want to see it again, Corey. I don't. I just, I really don't. I'm. Well, what makes you think I'm, Mark Stoops is going to be any different? I think. Okay, if I, I don't think you're going to get much of a difference with any of those guys, frankly. You, you. I mean, <laughs> it all comes down to how willing is your head coach to hire a personality that, that goes against maybe what your philosophy, especially a guy like Bob Stoops, who will be, I don't know how old Bob is now or Mark, either of those guys. I mean, they're not young ch spring chickens anymore. If you can get one of those guys to come here with the understanding that, Hey, we're, we're, we're going to bring in a guy who is, you know, innovative and is young and who understands the passing game. And, and maybe even you do convert over to a spread or, or whatever you want to talk about as it relates to offense and, and modernizing your offense. You just have to have someone who's willing to not be a micromanager on that side of the ball. Um, like Brett Venables is a def defensive guy and look what Oklahoma's doing. I don't think you have to have a reputation of being a gunslinging type of coach 
in order to have a, a good offense. You just have to have someone who's willing to not be a micromanager and have your hands all over the program. And I don't think Kirk's a micromanager, but he just hasn't maybe he hasn't micromanaged enough, if that makes sense. I don't know. I, that's it's an interesting conversation to have, but I I don't know if it's gonna matter whether it's Mark, Brett, Bob. It's it's going to come down to how willing are they uh, how willing are they to allow whoever the OC is to um, exert his own system and their his own philosophy on that offense, which we've not seen under Kirk. Yeah, no, and uh, I, I yeah, I can't disagree with you on that. I mean, I you're right to yeah. I mean, the only thing I can say about Mark is what he's done with Kentucky is nothing short than incredible really i mean think about where he's taken that program right uh and if you had phil parker running the kind of defense that that exotic type defense that uh mark stoops likes to run i think we're even more dangerous on defense than we are now and I don't know who you bring in as an OC. I really don't. I don't know any of the big names out there. Granted, we're only halfway through the season. Maybe, maybe Josh Gaddis. I don't, I mean, I don't know. I don't know who you bring in. I think they had their chance at Josh Gaddis last year. And I, I do too. And I think we blew it. I, I mean, <laughs> well, I don't know if Josh Gaddis would have been the answer. He had some baggage, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm no, I'm, I'm certainly not qualified to hire a head or a head coach or a, an OC. Those are just some names that I know the guy from Washington's I read today that the, the OC at Washington, that he's, he's from Iowa. Did you know that Trent? No, I had no idea. No. They got the number one offense. They have the number one offense in the country. Apparently he's from Iowa. That's what I read. I haven't, I haven't validated that. Huh? Well, I'm going to have to look that up. That's interesting. If that's the case. Yeah. Huh. Anyways. All right, I, Corey. Well, I agree with you. Trent. Like so. I, yeah, I uh, I love listening to your show, man. I'll keep listening always. Every time you're on, love you, man. Um, go Hawks! I mean, but hopefully they win Saturday, win the Big Ten West. Just don't get embarrassed in the Big Ten championship game. That's I mean, as a well, Hawk fan, that's all I can ask for at this let, point. Let's avoid getting embarrassed this weekend first. How about that? I yeah. How about that? I agree with you there, but all right. Thank you, Trent. All right. Yep. Have a good night, Corey. You too. Good call. Yeah, I I, uh, I agree with a lot of what he just got done saying. And those conversations about the future and, man, we're going to have some conversations after the season's over. I mean, it feels like the season just started. We're already halfway through this thing, folks. That's just how it happens every single year. The season comes, it goes. And I love the offseason conversations, but I love football. And that's why I'm going to be – I'm honed in on this game, folks. Like, maybe no, I don't sound real positive, but I am looking forward to this game on Saturday. And, and go Hawks, absolutely. I want to make that clear. I've got red on. Go Hawks. All right. Let me say that. I never really say that on this show very often because I don't want this to be a big homerism show. But uh, anyways, I'm an Iowa guy at heart. Let's get to our next caller. Uh, Scott, I think he just jumped off. Scott, if you uh, you were waiting on hold patiently, you were next in line. Jump back in here, Scott, if you are still watching. Uh, we were, we were going to get to you in a second. Uh, let's get to Erica, who's been on hold. Erica, welcome. Hey, good evening. How you doing? Doing good. How are you, Erica? Oh, I'm fantastic. Well, actually, I saw I'm your tired. comment. I saw you. What'd you say? I said I'm pretty tired today, but that's okay. Oh. I saw your comment. Just real quick. The reason I'm smiling is I saw your comment here in the chat and you said, let me find the kind of the- Oh, the one I made about how people aren't going to like what I have to say. 
yeah, I won't even bother putting it up. Yeah, you said something about how people aren't going to like what you have to say, but you're going to call in. So what aren't you going to uh, what aren't um, people like? I think some people will agree with me, but I think a lot of people aren't going to like this because it's extremely negative. Um, I kind of don't care that we're five and one right now because we don't look the part. And it feels like we're like one in five. It's not like we run away with most of these games. Okay? Oh, hold on a second. Hold on a second, Erica. When have they ever ran away with a bunch of games? I'm not saying they ever have, but people are using the same old excuse. Oh, it just sounds just like Kirk when he was on the whole, we were 10 and two last year kick. Come on. Like it's pathetic. It's another excuse. Okay. <laughs> it's more defeatist attitudes, which I'm so flipping tired of. And I just don't, frankly, anyone who's out there who is still a Kirk Homer after this, I respect the heck out of Kirk, but how in the world can anyone be okay with this stuff? With the nepotism, with the mediocrity all the time. We would be a perennial playoff contender if we had even a serviceable offense. It's pathetic. And I'm so tired of watching it. I'm tired of defending it because I have other friends who watch college football. I'm flipping tired of defending it. I'm tired of us going on national TV. And I'm not going to actually say what I'm thinking, but going on national TV, making fools of ourselves, being the laughing stock of the country, it's pathetic. Well, they've done that. They've done that once. They went on national TV once this year and and looked bad. To, they to put that lightly, to put it lightly. Yeah, it, absolutely, absolutely. Um, they did go on national TV and won at Iowa State, and went on national TV and beat Michigan State. That game was on NBC. Now, granted, I get it. Michigan State and Iowa State, not those aren't okay. I mean, yeah, big deal. Like, well, I'm just I'm just saying, if they go win this weekend, Erica, and it's ugly and it's nine to six. I, I agree with a lot of what you how you feel about the whole situation, how dysfunctional it is. But if they go up there and win nine to six, it's not going to matter what it looks like. I think it does matter because Kirk is supposed to be an offensive guru and he hasn't been looking that way. Well, he's not an offensive. Hold on. He is not offensive line, offensive line, offensive whatever line. Yeah, it doesn't look like that. It sure as heck doesn't look like that at this point. And nope. someone someone was blaming the play, lack of talent or, you know, whatever. I don't think I buy into that completely. There might be some of some truth in that, but who recruit, who decides who to recruit and who does the recruiting? The coaches. Yeah. So why aren't we holding them accountable? This is pathetic. I, I, I agree in, in large part. And, and you've heard my comments on, on drops and that's, it kind of goes back to the same uh, conversation because I had people, I've had people over the last couple of weeks reach out to me and say, Hey, Brian can't catch the ball for these guys. Kelton Copeland can't catch the oh, ball for these guys. Garbage. That's garbage. It is garbage because when you have a bunch of guys struggling with the same thing, and then you look over here and the offensive line is struggling to execute, and you look over here and your quarterback's struggling to execute, and you're you're not moving the ball, you can't stay on the field. And I mean, let me give you a stat, and this was a stat I was going to throw up here this evening anyways. We are the – Iowa is the only team in the country – that has more punting yards per game is averaging more punting yards per game than total offensive yards. I was averaging 288 punt yards <laughs> per game. It's embarrassing. They're, they're averaging just 249 offensive yards per game. They're the only team in the FBS that can say that. It's pathetic. <laughs> it's, I mean, I love, I love Tory Taylor. Don't get me wrong. I love him. I love his accent. 
He's cute. I have no problem with Tori Taylor. But for crying out loud, like, what is, how, how can anyone be okay with this crap? Year, well, week after week, at this point, year after year, like, come on now. Well, I, let me just tell you, uh, Erica, why people can be okay with it. Because, well, very simply, they the are five, attitude. Well, but they're five and one. Yeah, but it's not a pretty five and one. It's not a dominant five and one. Very, absolutely true. You are 1000% correct. It's because and, our defense bails us out of these problems. And frankly, I'm surprised we can still get good defensive players here because, yeah, they're not all five stars or whatever, but they've all clearly got talent and they get developed well. Eventually, that's going to drop off if our offense doesn't start you know, doing their part. Yeah, I We're mean, have I, a problem. I don't disagree with you on that. Um, I'm just telling you, you know this as well as I do, Erica, that people, they do enjoy the fact, they do value the fact that they're going to have almost every year going to have eight or nine good Saturdays to look forward to. And they're going to get to go to a bowl game if they want. Maybe they go to a warm location and then take their families on vacation. That's kind of the Iowa thing. I don't, I don't know. Why is that? Okay. Like that doesn't mean it has to be like that. It's not okay to, it's not okay to everybody. A lot of people are upset like you are. I'm tired of it. It's like, it's such an embarrassment already. And you know, we don't no other school in the country. Okay would accept this type of offensive coordinator performance at all. And why do we accept it? We accept it because of nepotism. And because no one above, you know, no one on a level who could do something about it has held anyone accountable. It's ridiculous. Well, they got a, they got a new person at the helm at uh, AD. So uh, Beth, Mo- Beth Moens, <laughs> Beth, Beth Getz has not been given time to resolve this situation yet like i i'm i don't blame beth for beth oh no i'm not blaming beth she's not made any type of decision like related to this yet i'm not blaming her let me be clear i'm talking more about barda and the ancient you know his deal which we already all know how everyone feels about barda etc but the point is he could have redeemed himself if he had held the right people accountable for this mess and he did not do that you know so i'm ready to see someone put some accountability here on the people who deserve it and if we lose Kirk in the process, maybe that's for the better. He's tarnishing well, his reputation at the moment, as far as I see it. If Iowa fires Brian Ferentz, Kirk is gone. And that's fine with me. And I have no have, problem at this point. You have every right to feel that way. And I, I don't think you're a bad fan for feeling that way either. And that's not because you dislike Kirk or you you hate Kirk. Or it's no, just because- I don't hate Kirk. That's very strong. I don't hate him. I think he is tarnishing his own reputation at this point. And as someone who likes Kirk Ferentz, who thinks he's a heck of a coach in some respects, like keeping the team together, like most other coaches, their locker room would have fallen apart by now. He's kept that locker room together united. So he has a lot of positive attributes. I'll, but I'll we have to face a- up to the facts eventually that his scheme is old. It's never going to change as long as he's head coach. No one has the guts to hold him personally accountable. So if it takes firing Brian, which it, he does deserve to be fired, no one can argue that. That is what it is. Call Bob Stoops, get him in the door, get him to transition, and that's it. Let me just add one more thing here, Erica, and I just because I want to give Kirk his due. What you just said about keeping a team together and, and rallying the troops, he, he will go down as one of the greatest coaches of all time in, with his ability to do what you just said. I look back at 2020. And, you know, the, the lawsuit that's hanging over their head, 
You have the 0-2 start where they blow a 17-0 lead against Northwestern. What do they do? They come back and win six straight games to finish the year 6-2. and two. Last year, they're, they're I mean, a national embarrassment. They're the punchline of college football. They rallied and ended up 8-5. and five. Like, Yeah, but you know what? Like, that's great and all, but that's a typical Iowa year. Why don't fans want to improve? Well, some do, and some are some. Some, I'll tell you, I have ta- had conversations with people who have been Iowa fans much longer than I have, and feel very strongly about wanting to hold on to Kirk as long as they possibly can. A lot of those fans are fearful of the future, and they fear what could come after. They think back. Some of them are old enough to know what happened during the Frank Lauterbur era or the Bob Cummings era. Right. And they're fearful of Iowa becoming the next Nebraska. And you're, you're right. I agree with you. And I, I said, it's a defeatist attitude. I understand the perspective. People are happy that they, they, they fear not having basically a guaranteed eight to nine wins a year. A lot of fans just love Kirk Ferentz because of who he is as a person. And so that yeah. also goes into it. Yeah. Um, I mean, let's be clear. It's not, it's not that he's, I'm not saying he's a bad person. I've never said he's a bad person. Do I agree with all of his decisions? No, but you you know, who agrees with everything, right? No one should be agreeing with everything. Everyone says just because their name happens to be Kirk Ferentz. That's like a blind, you know, just being a Homer. That's what it is. And this whole thing with um, Augie doggy 23, we aren't going to recruit like USC or Ohio state. And then he says, he said earlier, I don't want to say I'm in favor of average, but I also know we are Iowa. Come on. That oh is exactly God. the definition of defeatist attitude right there. We know we're Iowa. Come on. That's garbage. We could be so much better. I didn't know there was an Augie Doggy 23. <laughs> yeah, I think that's how you pronounce it. Okay. I didn't I didn't see him yet. I, I'm I'm behind in the chat. So Oh, okay. He said he doesn't he or she, I can't say necessarily it's a he, because obviously not everyone who listens to this show is a he. Augie Doggy said, I don't want to say I'm in favor of average, but I also know we're Iowa. And then he says a few chats later, we aren't going to recruit like USC or Ohio State. And okay, so that is flipping defeatist. That is getting, ridiculous. Erica, Erica, you're getting the answer to your question. And I'm not ripping you or or this user here, but some people, that's another part of it. A lot of people feel like Iowa's not a place where anybody's going to be able to recruit top level talent. So we should be happy that we can win eight or nine games. And that's garbage because we don't win these games in a dominant way. We win by one touchdown. We win by a field goal. We win by a safety, big flipping deal. Yeah. I understand where you're you're coming from. It's garbage. It's garbage. And we're never going to recruit better if we don't think we can do it. Do you think the coaches are going to be able to sell that argument to anybody? They go, yeah, well, we want you because you're a four or five star, but wink, wink. We don't think we can do better than three stars. Come on. Like if you go into oh. it like that, you're not going to get anybody. You're right about that, and and, okay. and Iowa has Iowa has done that with certain recruits and certain. It's like you're settling. It's like you're settling. Like if I I don't know about anyone else, but I know in my job, if I settled and I look for new opportunities to do new things and expand, etc., I don't think my boss would be very happy with me. By the way, uh, Murph in the chat wants to know what your score prediction for this weekend is. For this weekend, I think a lot of it depends on Mordecai because if he starts with the turnovers, he's in trouble. Wisconsin will be very much in trouble if he starts with the turnovers. If they lose, if, if Iowa goes up there and wins, Erica, 
Iowa's got a good shot at being 10 and two at the end of the year. And yeah, I agree with that. If they win this week, they've got a shot at being 11 and one. Yeah. (laughs) I realize that. I think, you know what? I think it depends on a few things. Number one, like I said, Mordecai, is he going to do have these turnovers or not? Right. And then after that, it turns into, okay, well, have the wide receivers actually learned to catch a ball this week? And has Deacon learned not to overthrow them? Yeah. Those well, are I'm, another uh, two questions I've got. That's the idea that we're going to, that anybody, even the coaches know whether Deacon's going to all of a sudden be accurate on Saturday. That's nobody's going to know that until we get there. Like he right. could be slinging it on target in practice. But like I said, if, if what I said earlier that he doesn't seem to me to have a grooved throwing motion, if that's true, then based on what I've learned from primarily from coach Patterson and my relationship with him is it's going to be hard for him to be consistent with his accuracy. So we'll see. And this is just, you know, I was talking to Mark on his show this week and I made the point to him and I don't, I know you listened at different points on Monday night to his big 10 show. Um, I don't know if you were on when I was talking to him, like towards the beginning of the show about Iowa. I think I was the first caller that day and we were talking somehow I got into talking about quarterbacks Iowa has had and he started looking and, you know, I made the comment that we need to recruit better quarterbacks and stuff like that something to that extent. I don't remember exactly the words I used, but then he started looking up stats and he, you know, sort of agreed with me after doing that. Um, but I'm also, I have to say, I am excited about Marco line as I agree with you. I think he's going to be great for us. He's got, you know, mobility. He looks to be an accurate, you know, quarterback. He knows how to lead a team from what I can tell. So I think that will be great to see. But then the question becomes if Brian Ferentz is still here, is he going to make such calls that use those abilities that Marco has? I think it's a question. I think that's a fair question, Erica, but I also think it's a fair question to say if Kirk Ferentz is still here, will Marco, will a guy like Marco Linez be fully utilized? And I think the easy way to answer that question is no. He probably yeah, probably, not. Um, probably not. And then the other question is, Erica, if Kirk Ferentz is gone, which means Brian Ferentz is likely gone, will Marco stay here? Yeah, because I know he's a big Brian Ferentz guy. Well, I've seen his post on Twitter and he's always giving, not always, it's not like he does it all the time or anything, but the posts I've seen, he's very positive about Brian Ferentz. And it is his coach. It is his coach. Right. He's, he's going to say good things about Brian. I'm just saying, I don't know. Like if, yeah, maybe we're, we're just speculating. Remember Marco initially committed to Ken O'Keefe, not to Brian. That's true. And he so, didn't say despite that. So yeah, you could be right. <laughs> I mean, but here's the thing too. Like, if in, in life, if you live in constant fear of change, you're going to be stationary forever. You're never going to have any type of excitement. You're never going to have, you know, if you do the same thing, what is it? The definition of insane is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. That is what we're doing, right? Look at the chat right there. Keep chopping. Here's the fans that you the don't Brass like. Got sick of winning 10 games a season. Two. Keep chopping. You know what? You're a Rutgers fan, okay? Like... <laughs> So what? We're not in Nebraska. Okay? Sorry to Got my right. say it. Nebraska is the bottom tier of the Big Ten since they joined. Okay? They are garbage. I'm not saying Iowa's garbage. I'm saying we could afford to improve. So that's a bogus comment to make. I'm sorry. Call in if you want to discuss it with me. That's fine. This mentality. Well, if Iowa changes coaches, we're going to end up like Nebraska. 
come on. That again, defeat us. That's like, okay, you know what? Let's just never try anything and just pray to God by some miracle. Brian learns how to make effective play calls and learns how to develop quarterbacks and that, you know, Barnett learns how to develop O-linemen. Like, okay, let's just do that and accept it all the time, please. Garbage. That's complete I, garbage and defeatist attitudes right there. I, I understand your, your perspective, Erica, and you know that I agree with a lot of what you just said. So, um, we're, we're going to be able to have a lot more of this type of conversation after the season's over. When Not that I'm averse to having KF administration go. Oh, you're breaking up there, Corey. I apologize. I, I was just going to say, Erica, we're going to be able to have a lot more of this conversation after the season is over. Not that I'm averse to having it now, but in general, we're there's, it's going to be a busy month of December and a busy month of January because we're going to know what the final average was for Brian Ferentz and the points per game thing. And, I mean, you're going to have the transition with the sports. He's not going to make it to 25 points. Well, I agree, but I'm just saying that will be reality to everybody if it's not already. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I know this is maybe more off-season type of talk, but I just, I am so tired of this mentality that let's just do everything the same and hope something by a miracle changes. It does not, life does not work that way. Football is no different in that regard. It does not just, oh, let's just hope that Brian learns how to develop quarterbacks. And let's just hope that Barnett learns how to develop alignment. Let's just hope Brian miraculously learns how to be, you know, a consistent good play caller because he shows flashes but he's not consistent it doesn't work like that and this nebraska comment i'm sorry that gets me very very fired up because that is just that's trash i'm sorry that is absolute trash just because we change coaches means we're going to be nebraska that's how some people feel it's garbage absolute garbage but anyway i think i've said enough for tonight i think i've pissed enough people off in your chat probably <laughs> thank you for the call erica we always enjoy it you're welcome. We'll talk to you later. All right. Thank you. I always enjoy hearing it from Erica, and she's passionate. I'll give her that. She is passionate about the program. She loves Iowa. She's an Iowa alum. She said that before, I know. Um, and uh, <laughs> I appreciate uh, the, the – she did get some people riled up in the chat. And our numbers went up, and then they went down. They went up. We're about 200 people watching right now, which is great. But it's interesting how people respond to a passionate caller. So appreciate that. Scott is on the line with us. Scott, welcome. Hello. How are you doing? Doing good, man. I appreciate you being patient. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, I uh, logged off and then I heard you call my name. And I'll, I'll get back in. But uh, one of your earlier callers were talking about like Chris Doyle uh, being fired. And I agree with you. In 2020, it was the situation called for him to be fired. Uh, due to the number of allegations. However, what's ironic, funny is, is Brian Ferentz also had quite a few allegations and he kept his job. So it's like he probably should have been fired too. And, and both those, Kirk and Brian, both faced repercussions from the lawsuit. Of course, eventually that was settled without a trial. And we knew that was going to be the case. We knew that thing was never going to go to trial anyways. Um, that's yeah. fair. Yeah, all that's fair. I mean, it's it's fair to say that it appears that Chris Doyle was the scapegoat, fairly or unfairly. It was like, okay, we get rid of this guy, and it's going to solve the issue, whether it really did or not. I, I don't yeah. know. And by the way, I think there was an issue. I want to make that clear. I don't think that – I'm not about to call a bunch of players liars that there, no, it, there was mistreatment going on yeah. with the program, okay? Yep. It, but, um, um, and it was – 
so I think Chris Doyle probably should have been fired, but I also think Brian Ferentz at that point he oh. should have been fired because well, uh, the argument could have, the argument could be made that all that was happening under Kirk Ferentz's watch, regardless of how much you believe. You could make that argument as well. You could make the argument yeah. happen. You could He's really make the argument. He, if he didn't know, he should have known. Absolutely, and you can make the same argument for Gary Barta. How, how does this wa- happen on your watch? Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways. But anyway, yeah, going back to, um, uh, like, quarterbacks, uh, I put it in the chat. So, a lot of people in the chat are talking about, like, Marcus Linnaeus or Joe Levis, and I know a lot of reporters that talk about, you know, well, why is Deacon Hill – or should Deacon Hill be pulled for one of the other two quarterbacks? And the general consensus seems to be is that Deacon Hill is just a better quarterback that while wow, Joy Labus or Marcos just either they don't pick up the playbook or they're just not very good. And I actually disagree with that. I think both of those players are probably better than Deacon Hill. Kirk Ferentz, his stereotype, what if that what he wants in a quarterback is a Ben Rosenberger type recreation. He likes those guys that are six foot five, 250 pounds, can throw through a brick wall. You know, but all the other intangible assets, such as timing, anticipation, I don't think he in again, I've never met Kirk Ferentz or Brian Ferentz, but it just doesn't seem like they care about that. And if Deacon Hill does understand the playbook better than Joy Labus, it has more to do with the coaches giving him way more snaps in practice. I know, you know, Kirk Ferris will say that he gets uh, during the quarterback competition that he gives e- equal snaps. I don't give. I don't know that he's claimed that. I don't know that he would claim that, that, Scott. That's a great question because Don always talks about the only way to evaluate, evaluate your talent is giving or, me snaps. Okay, maybe I'm hearing it from Coach Patterson. I thought I heard it from one from uh, – I thought I heard it from uh, – Well, maybe he has said that, but I agree with yeah. you. That's not, that's not happening in practice but now. I, I think maybe I heard it from Coach Patterson. That that's how you should do it. One thing I will say, regard, you brought up Marco Linez in the same sentence as Joe Labus. Joe Labus has been here three years. Marco Linez just got here. So yeah. – I don't have any doubt that Deacon Hill is further along than Marco Lanez because Deacon did come from Wisconsin. He he was familiar with the John Budmeyer system, or at least he was, John Budmeyer was his QB's coach for a year, I, I believe for a year, if I'm not mistaken. Well, am I am I wrong on that? Because he got Budmeyer left. I'd have to go back and look at the timeline. I know Budmeyer recruited Deacon. I don't know that he ever yeah. coached him. Maybe he did. But my point is, he's been a college quarterback here for a couple of years. Marco just got to school. And the thing, what I've heard about Joe Labus over the last two years is he has been a little bit slower to pick up the playbook than other people. But I also don't have a whole lot of trust in the people who are dialing that information out. They haven't proven to be reliable. You you know, because, yeah, if if he's only getting a fraction of the snaps of what Deacon Hill does or Spencer Petras and he never gets that opportunity, I just have a hard time, uh, you know, and – the fact that the coaching Kirk Ferentz has closed practices, you know, we never can actually see that. Hey, is Joey uh, is Deacon Hill that much further along than Joey Labus? Well, real quick, Scott, let me just bring up something. If you go back to last spring, we could have those conversations because you do you remember what happened last spring? 
remind I remember, you. I believe it was, I want to, I want to, I'm sorry, not last spring, spring before last. I'm getting my years mixed up. Spring of 2022, we had an open practice in the spring. And I remember one of the big things that we talked about after that open practice and, and Don Patterson, we had him on, we had a show with Mark Rogers and, and Don brought this up. He was disappointed by the fact in spring of 2022 that we did not see equal snaps against equal competition. In fact, we saw Spencer Petrus get like, I think it was like 75 to 80% of the snaps against the ones in the spring practice. Now that's just one practice, but if that's a microcosm or a reflection of the entire spring period, then that's an indication that what you just said, that, that Padilla and Labus and Hogan were not getting an equal shot. So my guess is that's probably what's happened again but we yep. haven't talked about it as much because Cade's been the guy, right? Yeah. Cade's been the guy. Yeah, and you know, um, and even when Spencer Peters, uh, like during the the fall, the kids' day, I think it was either last year or a couple years ago, he was like seven of like twenty one. That'd be terrible. And then Kirk Ferentz would be like, "Well, it was just one practice. <laughs> it's the only practice we can see." And he completes like forty percent of his passes. And I, I'm convinced that if Patrick Mahomes gets word that he's eligible for one more year of college ball, he could show up to Kirk Ferentz's doorstep and say, Coach, put me in. And Kirk Ferentz will slam the door in his face because he's like, I, you know, because he's a mobile quarterback. He can make plays with his feet. <laughs> you, know, he, you know, I called in a couple weeks ago, and I'm a big fan of Brock Purdy, San Francisco 49ers. And the way Brock Purdy, you know, between anticipation, timing, throwing catchable balls, you know, that was always the thing with like Tom Brady and, you know, not to start comparing quarterbacks, but like even Tom Brady, never the, the, the fastest fastball, but there was always a, um, where, um, he threw very catchable balls to his receivers. You know, and, you know, with Deacon Hill, with Spencer, with even Nate Stanley, it's like they're throwing so much heat. They don't – yeah, they're just – they got big arms, but they can't do anything with it, you know. And well, the one ass that they have is to throw it deep, and we and the offensive line can't protect them long enough to throw it deep. So it's like I, – I have no problem – like I would have no problem if Nate Stanley walked in that door right now to take over for Deacon Hill. I would – Take him in <laughs> seconds. <laughs> Which is so funny how we all complain about Nate Stanley, and I would take him on a heartbeat. Uh, well, we do. Well, hold on. This needs to be put into context. When you say we all complained about Nate Stanley, a lot of people complain well, about every quarterback. I remember people complaining about Stanzi, Vandenberg, Rudock, Bethard, not so much, but once he was starting to be hampered, yeah, people yeah. complained about him too. But but nobody's ever complained more about quarterback play than they did the last three years. That, oh, that yeah, was no, historically, that... or I should say, yeah, the last two years. I'm sorry. Obviously, this year has been bad so far. But the last two years under Spencer Peters, even 2020, the passing game was not good. They ran the ball really well, won a lot of games. It was an off year for the Big Ten West and for the Big Ten in general. But you're right. Yeah, I mean, People... I, I complained about Nate Stanley until Spencer started was a starting quarterback. <laughs> and, and then, uh, yeah, I was much bigger fan of Nate Stanley because I thought, you know, between, yeah, 2017 to 2019, we had, like, a, 
it was inconsistently good. Or it was, uh, whereas the last couple of years, it's been consistently bad. Whereas at least underneath Sam, we had some good games. But one thing I always, you know, everyone talks about how like Kirk Ferentz is, you know, he talks about like complimentary football. But yeah, in the, I remember at halftime, Penn State game, we were down 10 nothing, And the only touchdown they had was a short field from that muffed punt. And a sideline reporter asked him, uh, and his response was, the defense needs to force more turnovers. Yeah. I'm like, you, you don't put any responsibility on the offense. And I know you've said this a hundred times that he can't differentiate between uh, the separate units. It, um, he looks at it as a team as a whole. And it, I think he can because I, I think he will absolutely blame the defense if they give up a long play. But he has an incentive not to, to separate out the offense because he knows that that uh, that if he starts, you know, parsing out the units, he knows that his son has to go, you know. And so, <laughs> I, it's not like he can; he just doesn't want to. Well, that, that's that. That is an interesting thing. What you just said about the the yeah the defense and and yeah, that's interesting. And also, uh, a couple more comments. Uh, so you, I know like USC, Oregon, and uh, Washington all have really great offenses. You know, and everyone – because here's the other thing with me is I'm actually one of those people that Eric probably hates because I'm like scared of what happens next. I want Kirk Ferentz gone, or for sure Brian Ferentz. And if Kirk Ferentz goes with them, that's fine. I guess I'm worried about what happens to Phil Parker. You know, if Brian Ferentz gets fired and Kirk leaves, will Phil Parker decide, is is he going to step down? Because not only is our defense really good, I love the fact that we score more points than any other team. We've had more pick. I mean, there is uh, one game – last year where like Cooper DeGene intercepted an over-the-shoulder pass and a lot of other defenses would have been celebrating the interception but instead all 10 of of the players on defense turned into blockers and Cooper is racing to the end zone and that's all coached you know by Phil Parker and you know I would love you know he's definitely the first person I would ask to be the head coach. If if he doesn't want it, now I'm biased because I actually played football against LeVar Woods in high school. Okay. Some 25 years ago. I want I would love to have a LeVar Woods as a head coach with the expectation, hey, keep the defensive staff, you know, because I like Seth Wallace, I like Bell, and I, and I like Phil Parker, and then you know, LeVar Woods, I know he doesn't have any, like, play-calling experience, but I'm like, he doesn't really need to be a uh, play-caller. He needs to hire a play-caller to kind of – basically, your responsibility, since half the units are already fixed, which is the defense, your responsibility is to fix the offense. And I feel that, that is, um, you know, less work he has to do. <laughs> If you will, or you know, maybe bring in Bob Stoops as an interim, 
and then maybe name Lavar Woods as an assistant co- uh, head coach. So what you said earlier, what you said earlier is fair. I think if I'm just I'm just spitballing this as well. If Kirk leaves, based on what I've been, based on what I've been told on pretty good authority, that I think it's sort of a, a consensus that if Brian is forced out, Kirk is gone. So let's yep. assume that happens. So let's assume those, but whenever that happens, both those guys step away if that happens. I think there's a chance. I don't know how good of a chance, maybe a pretty good chance that when that happens, especially if it's in, well, I don't know again, what's going to happen Brian after this year, Phil will probably leave at the same time. I don't know if Phil would stick around, if he would have reason to stick around. Some guys just love coaching and maybe Phil just, Hey, even if I'm not working with my good friend, Kirk Ferentz, I want to coach this university. I don't want to be a head coach, but I'll be the DC. Maybe he would say that. I, I don't but, know. We, we, and then, but that also assumes that the head coach that we do bring in wants to keep, would want to keep Phil. I mean, I, I don't not want to Phil keep Phil Parker because a lot of coach. You, you, no, you're well, you're absolutely. That's my thought. My but thought a lot is, of coach, head coaches what? are like, I want to bring in my guys. Here's what I would do if I'm the AD. I'm having a conversation with Phil Parker before any of this happens, and I'm saying. Phil, I'm not going to tell you what our next move is, but I want to I want to know what you're where you're at right now with your future and your career. Yeah. Um, yeah, what will it take to keep you here? It, it, say say you know we're, we make some changes. What will it take to keep you here? Will there be anything? Would you be interested in the head coaching job if we inter, if we interviewed you? Would you consider staying on as a DC here? How many years would you consider staying on? How many years yeah. do you think you have left in the tank? Because then I'd be able to go to my interview process and be able to tell candidates. Yeah. Criteria here is so, yeah, that's Phil Parker. Exactly what I would do. Cause I mean, and I, you know what? We've got the money. I'll give him. I'll double his pay. Yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, and as far as like, uh, you know, yeah. What comes next, you know, for reference, I live in Omaha. Uh, I've lived in Omaha for 15 years and so I follow Nebraska football, and I know everyone says, "Well, stop bringing up Nebraska as a reference." And I, I'm by default, I do that because I feel like Iowa and Nebraska do have similar. You know, a, for example, like Alabama. I mean, they got probably more five-star blue chip recruits in Mobile, Alabama, than Iowa has, and. In all the state, plus like 500 miles surrounding it. And at the end of the day, I think most recruits, you know, they'll go national wherever, the, uh, you know, they want. If it's not NIL, you know, chance at the NFL, you know, there's a whole variety of reasons why players would go national. But at the end of the day, most recruits want to stay close to home. I, unless I'm completely wrong about this. I, I think the, you know, in general, but especially you know, or at least, and then you know, even the attrition. Like, you know, one of the reasons why, like, I think Kirk Ferentz didn't, you know, see all these issues with uh, racial issues uh, prior to 2020 is because a lot of the the retention of players that happen to be African American, well, you know, they're from you know Florida or you know, down south or wherever like that. And so, oh, you come into the program for a couple of years and then you leave. And I think they just kind of assumed that, you know, they weren't able to retain them, not because of any issues within the program, 
but because you know they were you know it's hard to you know when you're 18 years old go a thousand miles away from home sure anyway that's my so i, I am one of those people that i do have a fear you know of, okay. of the unknown even though i want to get a lot better. Okay to, i'll tell you what my opinion scott it's okay to have a fear of the unknown and i'm not going to tell anybody how to feel but yeah. I think it's okay to have a fear of the unknown while also not being led by that fear, not being controlled yeah. by that fear. Yeah. That's the yeah. key. And I think is who, who, uh, whoever we get as a head coach, if we are able to maintain, um, you know, like we'll retain Phil Parker, I think I'll be totally comfortable because I know that, you know, in Phil, we trust, <laughs> yeah. you know, because, you know, we talk about like um, these programs that are coming into the big 10 you know yeah they have elite offenses but man they're uh, maybe oregon uh because the dan landing he was the former coordinator for georgia so i think he's gonna get because oregon's never been known for their defense and but i think he's gonna get that turned around or he has but usc's off a uh, defense is bad. Yeah, it's not good i mean i was well, in and I know Colorado isn't at that same level. I was watching Colorado this year play like TCU, and it was like a 45 42 point game. And everyone, the media was talking about how what an offensive explosion. And I'm watching that game, like, I mean, they were missing assignments, <laughs> they were missing tackles. It was, I mean, I'm like, Phil Parker would have blown a gasket if, yeah. You know, there's no way, and I'm thinking, uh, you know, and even the bad teams in in the Big Ten, at least, tries to play defense. Whereas I think in the Pac-12, it's defense optional. And I think you know Michigan and you know like the elite teams that we play, you know the Michigans and the Penn States, they have elite defenses and a pretty good offense. Where I think we could actually beat USC. Now, hear me out. If, you know, I always believe that the best defense is Iowa the can't move. Oh, by the way, Iowa can't move the ball on anyone. <laughs> they couldn't move the ball effectively against Utah State. They had took yes. a whole half to move the ball well against Western Michigan. I'm serious. Yeah. Sure. No, I, I, and maybe Here's what's going to happen if they play USC. Here's what's probably going to happen. What's gonna, you're going to see a lot like, maybe not to the extreme, but you're going to see a game very similar to what we saw 2016 Rose Bowl against Christian McCaffrey. Because when you have a dynamic player, an athlete like that, like Christian, like, well, like didn't Stanford have a really good defense that year. No, I'm not saying from that regard. I'm just saying from an offensive perspective, I yeah. expect the defense to, they didn't really hang in there that well against, uh, against Stanford, but maybe even the big 10 championship game in 21 is a better, better answer because, I don't expect Iowa's offense against any Power Five school. I mean, they they couldn't move the ball well against Michigan State two weeks ago. They did for a couple of drives. But Scott, Michigan State got beat by like forty to Washington like two weeks prior. Okay. There, there's not an offense in this country in the Power Five that I expect Iowa to be able to move the ball consistently against. So if they played USC tomorrow, I would expect them to have very similar struggles as they did to Purdue last weekend, to Michigan State the weekend prior, and to Wisconsin this weekend. So the way I look at it. Maybe that's a bad example. Uh, Because I was – because my – 
but maybe not USC or definitely Oregon or Washington because I think Washington has a pretty good defense too, um, or not as good as their offense, but at least their defense uh, can um, is decent. You know, I was thinking like Colorado because I mean, I was watching that watching Colorado play. They are not good. Just so you're aware, one defense. Oregon's not played the best schedule, but they are sixth in the country in total defense right now. Yeah, and yeah, and I think you know that uh, new that Dan Lanning is a defensive coordinator. So I think Oregon, you know, while they're not historically known for good defenses, I think he'll have um, them. And, but I, in I, Washington, Washington is sixty second in the country in total defense. And the only reason I bring that up is compare that to where Iowa is offensively. Like, can you imagine how much fans, how, how happy oh, yeah. they would be if they were 60 seconds in the country in total offense? That, that's what just angers me so much. Cause it's like, we're not, I'm not asking them to be elite. Just get to average. <laughs> I know. No, get I, into, I just... into the sixties. And it, I would be a super happy camper. And it always frustrates because, like, whenever we do lose, you know, they always – Kirk Ferentz always says, well, we got to execute better and we got to work harder. It's like, I don't think the issue is working harder. What they're doing is they're trying to shove a square peg into a round hole, and when it doesn't fit, they're like, well, maybe we should shove it in a little harder. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that illustration, but that, that might work. But it's, does, isn't that a good illustration? Oh, it is. I, I like it. I, I, I've never heard that before. It's, uh, but anyway, um, God, I, I, I appreciate do think that uh, Penn State and Michigan would boat race USC. I'll call that if they ever, well, if we, they might, ever meet. we might get to see that in the, the playoff if, if those yeah. two teams keep winning. I think the, the winner of those, I think that's the Penn State Michigan game is going to be the de facto Big Ten. I don't think Ohio State's as good as they have been, but okay. anyway, that's just me. Well, thank you for the call, Scott. I appreciate it as always, sir. You're welcome. Have a got my Ohio State shirt on in tribute to that call. From I got my Rutgers shirt on. I got my my Ohio State shirt on. My Indiana shirt on. I'm just covering all the territory here, aren't I? Uh, to Brandon, who is waiting, uh, we have another caller that jumped off uh, shortly before we got to him. Brandon, if you're still out there, jump back on. You were next in line. I'll, I'll get your place back in line if you call back in. Um, but uh, we were about to, you were next in line when you jumped off, Brandon. So please come back if you're still here. Let's go back to our phone line. Thank you for calling from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Who's on the line? Corey, this is John. Hey, John. How you doing, sir? I'm doing good. I'm two hours in. Yeah. I, I didn't think we'd last this long, so I'm I'm doing good. Uh, I didn't even show. I just happened to click on YouTube and seen you were on there. I am on here. I, I got a question for you. I'd be interested in your opinion. Okay. Uh, the season's over. Beth Getz says to Kirk, she says, Kirk, I've hired uh, Urban Meyer to review the offense and to make suggestions. Uh, when she gives Kirk the report, does he implement some of it, or does he throw it in the trash? Um, that's a good question. I don't think he'd throw it in the trash, but I, I, I don't think Kirk is too concerned with what many people think, John. Frankly, 
not that he doesn't respect Urban Meyer as a coach. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, Urban Meyer has obviously a track record with some other issues, but uh, I, I would say that uh, there's not many, there aren't not many people right now that would probably convince Kirk this late in the game for him to change his philosophy. That's what I would say. Um, so that that's why I do agree with the people that say, hey, you, you go out and hire a different OC you're probably it's, it's the the ceiling is still only so high um and it probably won't be until kirk decides to leave or i mean he's not gonna be forced out but if brian is somehow forced out and kirk just says i'm done at that point then you're gonna see a, a real change offensively but i'm convinced at this point we're not gonna get some drastic change until kirk walks away that's just not gonna happen again i don't think he's i don't think he's invested 24 years into the the his his tenure here at Iowa to make massive changes. I don't think he sees the need to do that. Well, if you're a CEO of a company and uh, you've got stockholders and you've done well for half your time there and you're going on 24 years, but what you have done has started to fail uh, don't you owe it to your stockholders to try and improve? Is that not him putting himself over the program by not never changing? I agree. Yes. I agree with you, but the standard, the, the idea from the people that matter the most is that eight to nine wins a year is, is succeeding. That's not failure in, in their minds that is succeeding. So until they don't win those games until that level drops off until they stop winning games to that level in Kirk's mind. It appears to me there, he doesn't see the need to make changes because they're getting it done with what they have. Why would they need to make changes? That's, that's his perspective. I think. I understand. I guess I just look where your special teams is good. Your defense is good. But when you're running the 130th offense out of the country, it needs to be improved, and, and I agree. Oh, uh, I, but believe me, John, I'm on your side with this. I'm simply saying Kirk has the opposite philosophy of you and I. I've used the illustration of a grocery store in the past. If you're running a grocery store and your store is, you know, maybe you say it's a Publix if you're from down south, or it's a high V here in the Midwest. You're running a grocery store, and your deli's doing great, and your your produce department's doing great. But your bakery is just sucking, and, and and you've got a you've got terrible management. You can't seem to sell anything. The pastries are coming out uh, doughy, and you know you're selling. You're having to give away day olds to the homeless shelter there locally. Maybe it's time to make some changes. No offense to giving away bakery items to homeless shelters, but I'm my point is maybe it's time to reevaluate who your bakery manager is, right? You don't just say, well, right. the store as a whole is doing pretty good, so we're just going to keep going with what we have. Of course you're going to make a change because you want your store to do as as good as it possibly can. And logic would tell you that that bakery is keeping the store from doing as well as it possibly can. And logic tells you and I, John, that the offense is keeping Iowa football from being as good as it can be. It can be better. I'm convinced as of right now with Phil Parker here, it can be better. It can be. Now, maybe if they make a head coaching change, it will be maybe Phil Parker walks away. But from a Kirk Ferentz perspective, if he decided 
I am done with having a mediocre offense. Phil Parker is not retiring because of that. Phil, Believe me, Phil Parker is not going to say, well, Kirk, I, I really like these offenses that we've had. I really like having to send my guys out there for 100 snaps a game. So if, if you change the offense for the better, I'm leaving. He's not going to say that. So no. right now, I agree with you. Kirk is, by by not, making, not being willing to make the big changes on offense, he's keeping the program f- from fulfilling the potential it has in the year 2023 and however long Kirk stays. Somebody, you you hear people talk about uh, who they like to have for a coach, and I know this would, chances are it would never happen. But for me, the ideal coach, and I think his name was Tony Dungy, who coached the uh, Indianapolis Colts when Dallas Clark played for him. Yeah. I think he'd be an awesome coach. Is Tony Dungy interested in coming back to coaching, especially college football? Doesn't cost anything to ask. Where is he at now? Didn't I don't. I have no idea. No, probably not. I don't even know what he's doing now. Last I knew, he was with NBC. But, oh, really? um, where is Tony Dungy? Sixty-eight years old. Uh, I, I doubt he's. Boy, he looks older than sixty-eight. No offense to Tony Dungy. Boy, he looks like he's aged quite a bit. Um, I don't know if he's still. I'm looking at the current. Uh, let's see, broadcasting. Um. Yeah, I don't see here. I don't. I'm just looking at Wikipedia. Uh, he retired uh, from Indianapolis in 08. Man, it's been that long. Yeah, I doubt he's coming back, but I have a lot of respect for him as a coach. Absolutely. I, I think he's a lot like Kirk Ferentz. He's a very humble guy, uh, or he seemed to be. Anyway, I think the players would be thrilled to play for him. He's got NFL experience. So Yeah, it's a good name. But like you say um, it's something I got curious about, and I looked it up. Uh, Keegan Johnson, four games into the season down at Kansas State, had four catches for 27 yards. He's been hurt. Oh, has he? He was he was hurt. I, I don't know if he's back to 100. percent He was he was out like the first two or three weeks, and I think he's been working his way back. But I I don't know. I haven't been following it. I just know he was hurt to start the year. Yeah, I thought, boy, he's not exactly doing the Charlie Jones at Purdue, but I didn't know nope. he'd been hurt. No, and then Arlen Bruce is, of course, can't play because of the betting stuff. Are they like they are Noah Shannon? Say that again. I wonder. Is he, are they going to let him back like they possibly with Noah Shannon? Or I, is, I, I doubt I, it because I, I doubt it because guys like uh, – Arlen Bruce and uh, the backup kicker whose name escapes me right now. Uh, those guys were betting on games they were playing in, and that's not what Noah Shannon did. So my guess is no. Oh, okay. I didn't. I, I looked on Oklahoma State's roster, and he wasn't even listed. Yeah, he's done. I think he's done, which is too bad because it's just too bad, but I think he's done. Now, he may end up – I say he's done. Maybe he ends up going somewhere at a lower level, but I I, I don't even know. He, he may be facing permanent loss of eligibility. I just don't know. Well, that's too bad he made those choices. Agreed. Yeah, because the kid was talented. He had talent. Say what you want. I think he was a talented kid and uh, underutilized in the Iowa system, and we're never going to be able to see that realized because he went down to Oklahoma State and was going to play. But because of this issue, off the field issue, 
Um, his career was damaged, and we're never going to see what would have happened. But I, I think he was better, than, much better than what Iowa made him out to be. But, uh, I see Tania Davis is on the women's basketball coaching staff. That's probably because she was on Hawkeye of the Storm. Right? They said, well, she can be on there. She can be part of our staff. You're exactly right. And don't forget, John, that uh, Matt Gatons was on the final show, uh, the loss to Richmond in the NCAA tournament. And the very next year, what happened? He's on the staff. He's on the staff. We. <laughs> That's what the Fran and Lisa they're 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 checking to see who I have on this show and you know who's next in line. Who's that? You. Gary Close? No, I was gonna say you. You're next in line. You better you you better be watching for the next opening on one of those staffs. Maybe you're gonna get Brian's job, John. Uh, I was over at the YMCA one day. Uh, working out, and I went into the gym and picked up a basketball. And if air balls count, I could be in the NBA. <laughs> I have no right to complain about anybody not being able to shoot. Well, we appreciate you being a part of this show and for being an avid Hawkeye fan. I'll tell you that. Well, I enjoy it. So, all right. Thank you, Corey. Thanks, John. Paul in the chat says Kirk won't leave. If Beth fires Brian, he'd be walking away from millions. Call his bluff. He won't retire until the end of his contract. Paul, thank you. By the way, I think Paul is the same one who left some a donation uh, or two the other day off the air. We don't normally have a lot of super chats and super stickers and all that off the air, but you can donate by means of YouTube um, even after a live show is, is posted. So uh, thank you for that, Paul. And uh, I, I think that's a fair assessment. If that. If if someone's holding, if it, whether it's Kirk or someone else, if someone ends up holding the program hostage um, for a reason like this, then I, I would. If I'm at the administrations or the power that be, I'd say I'd call I'd call the bluff, just like you're illustrating there, Paul. I'd say, okay, well, guess what? The program is bigger than you, Kirk, and we're going to do what's best for the program. So again, I don't know if that's what's happening, but if if that ended up, if there was the ultimatum from Kirk Ferentz in in that type of a, a setting or circumstance, then I, I agree with you. I want to give a quick shout out to our final sponsor. We've got one or two more calls left. Appreciate everybody making the show longer than I initially anticipated uh, the show would be. I thought we'd be done by what? Nine, nine 30. And it's past 10 o'clock here. Uh, Ascent nutrition. Appreciate Ascent. They've been with us for a long, long time and uh, great products, great health products. Start your ascent today with their, Awesome products, whether they're talking about their Ascent Coffee, their Algae Oil DHA, perhaps it's their humic and fulvic acid, but also their Lion's Mane Mushroom Powder and their Agaricon Mushroom Powder. Both of these powders have been uh, have interesting backstories. The Agaricon in particular uh, was researched by the Department of Defense's BioDefense BioShield, I think I'm saying that correctly, in conjunction with the NIH and the NIAID and the military and government's research into this powder showed how its rare compounds actually uh, exerted strong biological activity, which is a great indicator for immune system health and support. And you can read all about the uh, benefits of this product. You can mix it into yogurt, smoothies, juices, etc. You can read all about it here at GoAscentNutrition.com. I kind of showed you how to get to it here on the website, but it pairs great with products like their algae oil, DHA, and their coffee, folks, whether you're talking espresso or drip coffee in the morning. You've got to check out their coffee. It's good, it's pure, and it doesn't have the harmful molds and mycotoxins that your average store-bought coffees have. Also, their Lion's Mane Mushroom, 
which has also been shown to support an overall immune system uh, productivity and health, also uh, stress response, uh, memory, brain health, all these things. You can check out the many benefits of this product as well. And when you buy anything from Ascent Nutrition, you're supporting the work being done here. But be sure you use the code Hawkeyes, folks. Go to GoAscentNutrition.com. Use the code Hawkeyes. Again, that's Hawkeyes for 15% off your total order, courtesy of former Iowa graduate Lance Shuttler and Ascent Nutrition. One more time, it's GoAscentNutrition.com. All right, let's go back to what might be our final caller of the night because we had our other caller drop off. Mike is with us. Mike, welcome. Hey, Corey, how you oh, doing? Mike, you're off the camera. Whoa. Oh, sorry. Am I better now? There you go. You're with us. How you doing, Mike? <laughs> Can't complain. It's been a while, hasn't it? It's been a while. You've been in the chat. I appreciate you being in the chat. And uh, you are a Michigan fan, but you're a, you're a polite Michigan fan, so I appreciate that. I always try to be polite when I can. Appreciate that, sir. I was just kind of curious. I mean, I mean, I, I hear you guys talk about, you know, the gamble about, you know, kind of starting over and throwing away you know, the eight and four, nine and three things. But uh, the problem I, I see here is that starting next year, you know, with the, you know, dissolve the the divisions and with, you know, the four big boys coming over from the pack, you know, do you still feel the same way? Because I don't think even at the best eight wins is really realistic from 2024 on. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at your 2024 schedule and at the best, I'm I'm looking at the 2024 schedule and I'm thinking six and six. Okay, but but you just said that you don't think at best you don't think Iowa at best can can win eight games with the 2024 schedule. Should we review that schedule? Yes, I, I would go ahead. I mean, it's let, let's it's, look at the schedule because it was dropped the other day. Let me see if uh, yeah. So it is on. Uh, let's uh, let's share my screen. We're this late in the show. We might as well just kind of go off the rails. Let's look at. Uh, Let's look at this. So this is the 2024 schedule. You get Illinois State, Iowa State, and Troy. Iowa State and Troy are going to be tricky games, but those are games you should win. So you, you, let's assume they're 3-0 and for the sake of this discussion. Is that fair, Mike? What's that? Is it fair to say that they're, we can expect them to go 3-0 and in the non-conference? Actually, no. I, I, think I think they could very well lose to Troy. Okay, but they could. But you're, you're expecting them to lose to Troy? I would say Sorry. that's probably a 50-50 game, to be honest. Okay, so, okay. Well, I, <laughs> that's, I, I don't know that I agree with go that far. I, I think they I think they they should go 3-0 and when you play Troy at home and you play Iowa State at home. Well, you they play Nebraska at home. They should win that game. Early projection, they should win that game. They should beat Northwestern. Mike, right there, you've got five wins. I know you and I differ on a couple of those, maybe. But yeah, but look should. at Washington on, though. I know Washington comes to Kinnick. Yep, let's assume that's a loss. Wisconsin comes to Kinnick. Are we assuming that's a loss at home? Yes. Okay, we'll assume that's a loss at Maryland. Yes. Loss. Okay. <laughs> and, the, and, the, and the next two, I would say that's probably a split. At Michigan State, at Minnesota. Okay, so you're right now. We've got let's see, win, win, loss, loss, loss. So two and three, and then so three and four at this point. Then at Ohio State is a loss. And at UCLA is a loss. Oh yeah. Okay. So right there, that's six and six, and that's assuming they lose. That you just you just got your six and six, Mike. Okay. Now this what well, the reason I said that is because do you think this would be kind of like the wake up call about you know trying to you know push you know Brian and Kirk out to see 
you well, know, try to throw the dice and see what you can get. Something's going to happen. I mean, I, 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 I don't know what's going, what it's going to be, but I think something is going to happen when they don't hit 25 points per game this year, and they're not going to. I don't know what that's going to be if Brian just walks away and maybe Kirk stays. If Brian walks away, maybe Kirk just says, I'm going to stay because he wasn't forced out. Brian made the decision. That's possible. That's best-case scenario for the people that love Kirk and don't like Brian. Um, but, I mean, we're probably going to have to see this as far as Kirk is concerned. We're probably going to have to see this play out unless he just looks forward and says – what you're saying is hey, I just don't want to deal with this. The schedule's tougher. I don't want to deal with NIL and the portal and not having my son here. Um, th- those are all fair, fair topics. He's going to be walking away from a lot of money. I'll say that, but let's just go back to this real quick, Mike. The reason I, I being kind of critical of what you just guessed, Iowa, it, as of right now, I'll play the Mark Rogers uh, card for a second. You, okay. you said, well, I think they're going to lose to Troy and Kinnick. You do realize, Mike, that as of right, like if they played that team today, Iowa would probably be 10 point favorites over Troy, right? At least. I'm sure they were, but, you know, they were. Nebraska was a favorite when they played them in Lincoln, and it still was a loss. I mean, I know people want to write off Troy, you know, they're just a, a group of five team, but they are probably no, a top three group of five team. I'm just saying to expect them to win. So that's all I'm saying. And you're right. Iowa could. Could they lose? And they should win these first two games. Nebraska could be better. Northwestern could be better. But those should be wins in the Big Ten Conference. Washington I, is is extremely difficult. Wisconsin at home is winnable. At Maryland is winnable. They could win both of these games. Now, I think it's going to be hard to get to eight wins. I don't. I'm not. Believe me, I'm not disagreeing with you, Mike. But I also don't think six would be the expectation. I think seven wins is probably a good guess. Um, and in, in recent years with the Big Ten West schedule that I always had, I typically, uh, last few years, I've said, hey, they got a chance at, with the exception being last year because they did have Ohio State and Michigan. But in 2021, certainly this year, I've looked at its schedules and said, hey, they can win nine or 10 games. They're not oh. going to be able to do that moving forward. Oh, yeah. I mean, 10 and 2 is still very possible this year. I mean, just this, this based year. on the schedule. Yes. Yeah. This year. Yeah. And how about this? I didn't realize this until just now. They get to finish off their season. Even if they don't make a bowl game, Mike, even if Iowa doesn't make a bowl game next year, you know where they get to play their final game of the season? What? They go to California. They go to the Rose Bowl. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Hey, listen, they could go. I guess it's blocked on your screen. Let me scroll down. They could go. 0-12, and and yet they still get to finish the season at the Rose Bowl. How about that? (laughs) I guess that's one way of putting it. (laughs) So, anyways. So, there you go. There's the 2024 schedule, folks. Yeah, because I I have it up on one of my monitors, too. And it's just, I'm looking at it because I I know that our schedule next year is just straight hell. So, I just kind of wanted to get the feel of what other schedule has been that way for years. Michigan oh, yeah. the Big Ten East for years. Well, well I mean, our out-of-conference has been year. questionable, but... Sure. You know, but the thing is, I I think it's kind of good because, you know, I, I think I was kind of been insulated being in the West where it's basically been Iowa, Wisconsin, and then a, a random hodgepodge of nothing. So, I mean, with, with 2024, you're going to kind of see how good Iowa really is. Real quick, Ari Gold brings up a good point. I don't think those dates are official. I think that's just the opponents. So I think 
it was just listing. I don't think the dates are we, that was in an order on fbsschedules.com, but I think Ari Gold's right. I don't know that that's official, but any, those are the teams they're playing and those are the locations yeah. they're playing. So they're yeah. going to play, they are playing at the Rose Bowl next year. Yeah. <laughs> you say, and that's the weirdest schedule, too, because their first seven games are all home games and their last five games are all away games. I've never seen that before. Yeah. And by the way, to Jack here, not not that great. Here's the comment from Jack. He says, I was scheduled the next five years combined opponent winning percentage is 52.8. I don't know if that's true or not, but I would say that that's strongly influenced by some bad teams. Um, and there's going to be a lot of, you know, Northwestern's Rutgers, Nebraska, and then USC, Penn state, Ohio state. So that doesn't mean that stat by itself doesn't mean a whole lot to me. Yeah, it's I mean, not like they're playing a bunch of teams that are going to be that are coming off six and six, seven and five years, like they are this year, or even worse. They're they're going to be playing some bad teams and then some really good teams. Yeah. So do you think a schedule like this will kind of let you know what you need to do as far as head coaches is sticking with Brian or looking elsewhere? <laughs> sticking with Brian as the head coach? Oh, Kirk. I'm sorry. The Ferentz guys are just. I mean, they're. Same thing. Well, um, Ferris, yeah, you, 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 you read my heart. I, I've always wanted Brian to be the next head coach. <laughs> I uh, met Kirk. and you. I believe that changes should have been made this past year. Not necessarily a head coaching position, but if Kirk was wanting to do what was best for the program moving forward, he would have made a change at coordinator this past year, knowing that things are changing in 2024. He chose not to do that. And so I have no idea what the future holds for this program. I have no idea. And if Kirk walks away this year, he's putting the program in a difficult position. Um, but at the same time, he has every right to do that. And I, I have no issue with that. But it's going to be hard to hire a coach and be successful year one when you're jumping into a schedule like what we just looked at. Oh, yeah. I mean, at least you'll you'll have some type of kind of, kind of a litmus test, you know, because, I mean, it's going to start being trial by fire and, you know, not every coach is going to, you know, come out the shoot banging, but you know, you'll have a good idea of what you're, what you're going to have for the future. Yeah. Yep. You're right about that. Trial by fire. Amen, brother. All right. Well, I'll let you uh, get back to your other callers. I'm sure they're tired of listening to a Michigan guy. No, I'm uh, no, it's we're two and a half hours in. I'm about ready to hang up uh, this whole thing, Mike. So, uh, no, I appreciate you being on here. Uh, I always enjoy hearing your perspective. No problem. Thanks for having me, Corey. Thank you, sir. Lomansky, appreciate the super sticker, sir. Thank you for being here. Uh, Takoon, how about Ryan Grubb? Ryan Grubb, was he the coordinator at uh, Washington? Let's see if I can find that. I believe that's correct. Yeah, somebody told me he had Iowa roots. Uh, yeah, born in Kingsley, Iowa. Born in Kingsley, Iowa, folks. The number one offense in the country. The coordinator was born in Kingsley. There you go. That is uh, Google verified. Uh, let's go to our uh, our chat here. Um, I apologize for missing some of these super chats. D. Rolofson, thank you for the, the super chat, sir. Ma'am or sir, thank you for that. Do appreciate that. Kyle says, Bob Stoops is a short-term answer at best. We have Phil and LeVar on staff already. If Kirk steps down, we're fools not to offer them first. I would offer Bob Stoops more quicker than I would offer LeVar Woods, Kyle, because LeVar Woods never called plays. Bob has proven himself at a high, high level. 
Maybe he's a temporary solution, but I, I need to know more. I need to see LeVar Woods succeed somewhere. Not that he wouldn't be an option, but I think I'd, he wouldn't be in my top two or three. I can tell you that. I know some people just love LeVar, and I don't have anything against LeVar, but I'm not as high on him as the next head coach as some people are knowing what I don't know, I guess I should say, or not knowing what I don't know. Paul, uh, I think we got this earlier. Thank you for the super chat. Paul, Eric wants to know, what does the coaching staff realistically look like next year? No change, complete overhaul, or a demoted OC? I would totally just be guessing, Eric. I made the comment that I think this could be Kirk's last year. I guess I'll stick with that. I think Iowa's hiring a new head coach and uh, OC next year, but I don't know that. That's just a kind of a guess, I guess. Um, I don't know. If that doesn't happen, then then I guess my next option would be, hey, I think Brian voluntarily goes somewhere else, and then Kirk hires somebody like, John Budmeyer or Paul Christ or something like that. And you're going to see largely the same offense with maybe some wrinkles, hopefully. Um, but I, I, I agree with the people that say until you get rid of, until Kirk moves on, uh, the offense is going to look very similar. Ryan Grubb uh, brings up, apparently Takun brings up Ryan Grubb coached at Sioux Falls, did not know that. So he's from the Sioux, Sioux City area initially, originally, apparently coached at Sioux Falls, did not know that. Martin. Martin Wozniak, does Cade coming back next year make Marco consider entering the portal after this season? I think he has a talent to start for a D1 program. Well, he's going to be a redshirt freshman next year. I can't imagine him leaving because he's not starting year two. Um, even if he didn't play next year, he'd be a redshirt sophomore with three years of eligibility in 2025. So I don't know. I doubt it, but... Um, who knows? We don't know what the OC, who the OC is going to be. And obviously, if Kirk somehow walks away after this year, that could change things. Matthew, is Labus hurt? Not that I'm aware of. Sounds like he's healthy. He was hurt earlier in the year, but he is healthy right now. Uh, he also adds, haven't watched Whiskey much this year. Are they still running the ball really well? They are. Uh, Braylon Allen, Chesma Lucy's out for the year, but Braylon Allen and uh, Aker, I think, is their backup running back. They have both. They were both really good against a good Rutgers defense last week. Tyler says, have you heard the rumors about Clemson and North Carolina joining the Big Ten? Uh, nothing substantial recently. Obviously, those have been names tossed around for quite some time. Um, I'm sure the SEC is going to be making a push for Clemson at some point. If they're not already, I'm sure they are behind the scenes. Grant, has Kirk ever fired an assistant coach under him before? Chris Doyle. That's it, right? Chris Doyle. Um I don't believe he's ever fired a coach. Now, people have walked away, but I don't believe Kirk's ever formally fired a guy. Murph uh, says, Braylon Allen, under over 75 yards. I will say under, but I think um, Aker will get yardage. I think they'll go for over 100 on the ground. I think it's hard to stop them for for less than that. I don't think Braylon Allen goes for over 100. He struggled against Iowa last year. I'll say that. That's, that's the good news if you're an Iowa fan. Brett, thanks, Corey, for being our sound of reason with other Hawk fans every week in and out. Thank you, Brett. Thank you for being here. Joey, let Bob tell us no rather than just thinking he'll say no. Amen to that, brother. Amen to that. Sam, since we were in the commentator talk, who do you guys prefer? Chris Fowler is my go-to guy. Gus just doesn't do it for me personally. I like Gus. Love Chris Fowler. I've always been a big tennis guy. He's always been involved with tennis. I like Kirk Herbstreit. like uh, Joel Klatt, certainly. As far as play-by-play guys, I like Jason Benini. I was going to get them get him this weekend. I do not like Beth Moens. Do not like Tim Brando. I'm trying to think of who else I really like. Um, I like some of the Big Ten people. I like Dave Rebson. I like uh, Mike Hall's not my favorite as far as doing play-by-play, but uh, 
I do like a lot of the Big Ten people as well. Marcus, if Iowa wins out, makes the Big Ten championship game, what do you think their ranking would be after the Nebraska game, Corey? Ooh, great question, Marcus. If this was college football playoff talk, we should have Mark Rogers on here for this. So if they go 11-1, and one, they should be top. I mean, they probably are top at least top seven, top seven or eight. I mean, it depends on who, what is happening across the, the league. Probably top seven or eight. Um, do I think they would deserve that? Uh, I don't know. Not with that schedule. I still think if they go 12 and one, they're in. They're in the playoff, whether you agree with that or not. But I think they'd probably top seven or eight. Maybe they'd just be nine or 10, but then they win the Big Ten Championship. They'd have to go Top four. I just I can't imagine them being left out as a twelve and one Big Ten champion. Obviously, I don't expect that to happen. I'm just bringing it up. D. Rolfson. We shouldn't assume growing pains. The new coach, Luke Fickle at Madison, had his boys has his boys playing well. Why shouldn't we expect similar results? Well, it's all about how you look at this. If you look at it with a defeatist attitude, well, the future with without Kirk is Nebraska like and gloom and doom and whatever else. Yeah, we can look at it from that perspective, but we can also take that glass half full approach and say. Hey, maybe Wisconsin was using fourth aisle. Looks like they've gotten off to a great start to their new regime, and they've kind of picked up right where they left off with Paul Chris. They're winning games. They're probably going to win eight or nine games at least this year. It's a fair way of looking at it. All right, folks, uh, I believe I'm caught up on everybody. Thank you for being here. I, I did not expect this thing to go two and a half hours. I am not going three hours. I'm not going three and a half hours, and I'm not going four hours. But thank you all for being here. A reminder. I'll be coming out with my official preview tomorrow for Iowa, Wisconsin. We dropped a preview with myself and Coach Patterson here earlier today. Check that out. Uh, but my pre preview will be dropping tomorrow. My picks will be dropping likely Thursday. And then, of course, tomorrow is Thursday. I'm sorry. Picks will likely be dropping either tomorrow or Friday. Stay tuned for that. Turn notifications on. If you're not subscribed, I don't know why you're not subscribed. Turn on the bell for notifications once you've subscribed. Share the show out on social media. And folks, if you want to sponsor the channel, be sure to reach out to me from the eye of the storm at outlook.com. That's from the eye of the storm at outlook.com. You can also donate. Those are appreciated, much appreciated. We thank uh, Under the Kitchen and Ascent Nutrition for sponsoring the show this evening. I will talk to you very, very soon. Thank you for being here. It's been a fun two and a half hours. We'll talk to you soon.